sort of think of it as a nightmare in progress. The thing you pray for. You are all my children now. It's an honor. Hello, and welcome to the Debate of the Dead podcast, the show where we pick apart and dissect horror movies. Today, I've got an exciting movie on deck. Uh, this one is fun because I initially, I did not think we would be sitting here talking about this movie. I saw trailers for this movie a long time ago. They played before Halloween Ends. They played before Pearl. They played before Barbarian. I saw this trailer so many times and I just did not look into it at all. It just seemed like a meh. Like I was like, okay, another movie. And then people were like, no, it's a horror movie. Go see it. You'll like it. It's good. And I was like, okay. And here we are. I've seen it three times and we are going to talk about the menu released this year uh very recently in 2022 and here with me to discuss this movie is a new friend of mine that i believe we met on the one of the reddits like one of the horror subreddits or discord or something uh this is ad rob a new guest welcome him on hello thanks so much for uh for having me on to talk about my favorite movie of the year of course. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm glad I, that it is your favorite movie of the year because I really enjoyed it. And I was like, so I was like texting everyone. I was like, if you have seen the menu, hit me up and come talk about this movie with me because I am I cannot get over it. Um, so, yeah, you uh, quit before we like get too into the nitty gritty. You know, why don't you give like a little tell me like a little spiel about why it's why it's your favorite you know sure Some so overall so, thoughts yeah and I'll, and I'll start with what my expectations were because that's that's kind of yeah, how you led in definitely as well. do it uh, yes yes and i was excited about this movie from the first trailer because okay. what i what i saw was i did i knew we were get something we were getting something horror ish right maybe it was going to be thriller maybe it was going to be you know it, it could go in a few different directions yeah but, like the trailer is confusing in terms of which, like what they're setting up i which is like, good I never got, that's, which is good yes very that's good. great for a trailer because i you know it's you you know just enough to know you've got something good but not what it is and right. the thing that stood out to me right away was the casting um because yes. rafe rafe finds does not take genre gigs lightly you know this is uh, yes. this is a, a high-end uh shakespearean english actor who mm-hmm. you know d- did the harry potter stuff but also did coriolanus you know he's the okay he's he's uh uh an eminence grise if this is this was to me and, and people of, of of my age must have been what it was like when Lawrence olivier took marathon man Okay. Okay. In terms of I'm having, following, yeah. And so I was, and and seeing him work with Anya Taylor Joy, I was just like, okay, I'm in. That's it. That's what I need. Nice. You know, we've got we've got a uh, a very very well set up kind of meta narrative of torch passing, and and uh, Anya Taylor Joy has been uh kind of a white hot star for some time now in this genre stuff. Oh, oh yeah. She's she's blowing up the last couple of years. She this movie or this movie this year mm-hmm. alone, she has, I think, three movies coming out. And yeah. this is one of them. Uh, and so, yeah, she she's killing it. 
And the one thing that she hadn't really had was the chance to kind of square off one-on-one with a an older, much more established actor. Right. Um, and it's like, okay, now that she's done that, she's so, she's shown that she's got chops. And she, right, she's exactly. In how you said the torch passing narrative of, of actors right yeah. now. Like she's and, established herself as a new age uh, ingenue now. And so we've got a real, again, going back to Marathon Man with, with Anya in the, in the Dustin Hoffman position. Uh, so we, that really interesting meta narrative. And so that was kind of my first reaction uh, okay. to the trailer. And then on the, the, the uh, Reddit associated uh, Discord that, that we met on, yeah. nobody was talking about it. Right? I'm like, and, hello. And, and, and what I was... And I was watching that play out, and finally I was like, so do you guys, have you guys not seen this, or are we all trying not to jinx it? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't speak, because, like, you can't let it be one of those things where it's like, no, this is good, and then somebody gets it, the and they're like, mm, it wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah, and we, you don't, you know expectation management is a really important part of being a movie fan, because you, you don't want to get too excited about something, because... Yeah it's better to be pleasantly surprised than it is to be disappointed. And Definitely. sometimes it's really hard to experience how good something is, even if you just thought it was going to be good in a different way. And so you have, you get a lot of kind of chest beating in, in horror discussion about, Oh, I don't watch trailers. I don't read anything. You know, I go in blind and that's uh, me. me as much. <laughs> yeah. And that's me as much as I can too, because yeah. uh you know, it's you're trying. the The point of a movie is to put your hands, you put yourself in the hands of a filmmaker, and yeah, it's, definitely, it's harder to do that the more preconceived notions you have. And so, Absolutely. this this trailer played before a few movies I saw. It played before Nope, uh, that I saw in theaters, and yeah, I was just yeah. like, okay, I'm in. Don't necessarily want to hear anything else about it. Let's let's see what they've got here. Um, and then it just knocked my socks off. It was amazing. Yeah, that's that's good to hear because I, I the trailer is why this movie took so much convincing for me because the trailer doesn't quite it's I heard some people say it showed too much and I I disagree. I feel like it showed just the right amount because they really kept you in the dark on what was going on. Um I it first of all I didn't even realize it was a horror movie and like I almost like explicitly watch horror so I did not like so as soon as I kind of mentally ruled that out, as I thought it was just like a, a drama or something, I was like, okay, probably not going to see that movie. <laughs> yeah, and, I, <laughs> and that's why I'm like, it took convincing, and it needed, and I needed people to be like, no, 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 like this, this is definitely like in the horror umbrella. Go, I think you'll enjoy it. And I was like, mm-hmm. all right. And then once I decided I was going to go see it, that's when I cut off. Like, all right, I was like, all right, never watching the trailer again not looking up anything about it and i went and saw it uh, just by myself and wow was it a oh, yeah. coaster i did not i was on it was i was on the edge of my seat the entire time like i did not want to get up to go pee i like <laughs> the, you know I, like i was so i was buckled in like it was awesome it was a really good experience um and going in, I knew exactly three actors going into this movie, and Ray Fiennes is not one of them. I did not know who he was before <laughs> this movie, uh, and so everybody was telling me that he's like, like you said, this like Shakespearean uh, top level actor that only takes on like big gigs. I I've never seen the Harry Potter. I've I'm, I've seen like one of them maybe when I was a kid. Uh, so I did had somebody 
it was after I watched it and somebody told me who he was that they were like, he's a, what is his name? Voldemort, right? Is that, and then yes. I was like, is that the one with no nose and like wears a really long cape? I think. Yes. Okay, yes. cool. So I've seen like pictures of that person and I, I would have never in a million years figured out that it was the same actor. Um, but so I did not know who he was going into this movie and I'm glad I do now because I feel much more cinematically educated. That's that's um, so funny because he he brought so much gravitas to this for for the people who who knew did had, he did had seen him before. I was sitting there like I, like I said I saw it alone so I didn't really have any to talk to but I was just sitting there kind of by myself I'm like dude he is killing it who is yeah. this fucking chef <laughs> so so the the actually the absolute best uh like thing to pull from his career to give shorthand for who he is is he's who replaced Judy Dench as M in the James Bond universe. Oh, okay. So he is some imp- okay. Wow. So, so, so for for something that is like a a British tentpole foundation stone of their movie culture, right, right, right. He, and, and and he was considered on par with Dame Judi Dench, right? And as, yeah, as so a, he's he's some like top level shit. And I'm yeah, not not knowing that going into the movie was like quite a treat because you know sometimes that role is really important to the story of of head chef and it could have gone so many different directions and i'm glad we had an actor with how you said his gravitas to make it the performance that it was because he ever i've seen this movie three times now and every single time when he's on screen i just cannot take my eyes on him it's the the way he talks the the face acting especially oh my god yeah it's good but um anyway yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it's uh it's it's similar to the the Hopkins and Silence of the Lambs casting where yes, there has really yes. been uh uh have you seen Manhunter, the the eighties Hannibal Lecter movie? Um, not in a long time, but yes. It was and it was Brian Cox as Hannibal Lecter, and Brian Cox right. is phenomenal. He's amazing. Uh but it was it the the casting of Anthony Hopkins for the for the next movie in that uh mm-hmm. in set in that world was a was a game changer for it and i think that this is a similar situation where the like quote-unquote villain has to hold down the movie definitely and uh, a movie they maybe tried to do that with and worked but not to the same extent and caliber of this movie earlier this year was casting ethan hawk in the black phone as the grabber they kind of wanted they were like we want this big hefty actor to really solidify and i'm like yeah so it's it's the same concept but this is like the next echelon of that concept right (laughs) and it's here above and and i love ethan hawk to death i think he's outstanding but Mm -hmm. i also think that his best performances are situations where he's not in control of the story and so you look at him in training day you look at him in sinister Mm-hmm. Ethan Hawke is great for a guy who is trying to figure out what's happening to him, but right. he's not a mastermind. He's not you know? a mastermind. Yeah. He's not a mastermind actor, and Ray, Ray Fiennes, Fiennes absolutely is. is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but the three actors I did know were Anya and Anya Taylor Joy, however you say her name, uh, and I've only seen her in one other thing, and it was Last Night in Soho. I know she's in a oh. ton of stuff, but I and I've seen her face all over like. The internet and stuff so i know who she is but in terms of actually movies that she's been in oh oh she's also in uh witch right yes yeah yes. okay so i've seen two of her movies um 
And so I didn't really know too much about her, but I was like, okay, she's big, you know, she's, she's killing it in the mainstream. So she's probably going to eat down. And then I knew Nicholas Holt from Warm Bodies back in the day, <laughs> back in the day. No, uh, but uh, I knew that from that movie and I knew, oh, I, I actually forget what her name is in real life, but the woman who played the food critic. She's, oh, yes. She's Helen um, on Ozark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I have, I uh, I have the cast of uh, Janet McTeer. Janet McTeer. That's yep. it. Yes, she. So those are the only three people I had any idea okay. who they were going into this movie, and, and I was like, okay, like honestly, solid three people to know because everybody else kills it. Oh yeah, and the so uh, there were a, there were a few others that I had had either I I knew that you didn't or or had other experiences with. So my yeah. my my primarily Nicholas Holt experience was Fury Road. Oh, okay. Okay. And so this was it is very strange to see him in a right. suit with a full head of hair and and frankly as being tall. Where yeah. he was, oh he my was, god, he is so tall. He's so I, tall, which never so came tall. through in Fury Road. Um I don't think I realized in warm I mean I haven't seen that movie yeah. since it came out in like twenty fourteen, but uh yeah. Uh, uh, all right. Well, let's and, let's get into yeah. the movie. So let's let's actually start cracking it open and, and okay. dissecting because this is we've got a lot, and we could we could go on and on about the cast's careers and and uh, 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 achievements in their in their acting lives. But uh, let's get into the movie, the menu. <laughs> uh, the very first thing I wrote down is that the score is epic because the score is really good. It can, yeah. That was that was the one thing seeing the trailer. Where like, I, it, when if I was seeing a movie like when I saw Halloween Ends and I'm like in that tra- the menu trailer would play, I'd be like I would like be like not paying attention, looking at my phone, looking down or whatever. But whenever the violins, I would still be like tapping my shoulders along to it because it's so like catchy and sticks with you. So the score is really good. Yeah, this is this is the one part of of film fandom that. I am just not conversant in. I'm a music idiot. I like barely listen to music in like my normal everyday life. And so right. my my pass fail grade on scores is intrusive or un- in- non intrusive. Okay. And this, that's and this one yeah. this one this one didn't mess up the movie for me, and that's all Good. I can ask for 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 a score as a, a music idiot. Yeah, I mean that's essentially what the score is there to do. And and that's uh, like I'm not I'm not a music expert by any means either. I just kind of look for, you know, do does my body like vibe to this music? Of course, but also like it's a movie. That's not the goal. So I'm like, um, does this does the music really help solidify the situation and make that mental image of the scene stick longer in my brain? And in this movie, it does. I think the violin cues are like so effective that when I hear them, my brain can almost picture the scene it's associated with. And so that that's kind of how a score makes an impact for me. Uh, And I thought this one did a really good job. Just like you said, not being intrusive and just it heightening the experience that you're witnessing. Um, So, yeah, I love the score. But the the movie opens with. Anya Taylor-Joy's character, Margot, and Nicholas Holt's character, Tyler, and they're about to catch a little ferry boat, and they're, like, having a little conversation, and they look like a couple. They say that's what this seems like. She's smoking, and he's like, don't smoke. It'll kill your palate. We're going to this, like, 
all expensive uh, restaurant exclusive <laughs> experience and the food is like top, 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 top notch. He's like, he's like freaking out on her. He's like, don't smoke because you're just going to ruin it. And she's like, uh, okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Like and, she, and- like she stands her ground. She's a good, she's like, I mean, like, it's fine. And she, and he's like, no, please. And she sees how worked up he gets and she stomps it out. She's like, all right, fine. I'll fucking uh, uh, extinguish the cigarette. <laughs> and, and right off the bat, I, so I, I saw this in theaters with my wife. And nice. our first, our first thought right off the bat was, this is us gender flipped because oh that's we, so funny which which obviously that gets less true over the course of the movie and we'll get to that but <laughs> but uh she is certainly the the kind of first order enthusiastic gotcha part of the couple she's the one yeah who will be like this seems cool let's do it let's buy in let's let's get let's let's accept the frame that's on here and have fun within it and we've worked out a really, really good kind of rapport of me being like, look, I will have a good time with you at these things, but it will require a different form of good time where I'm making fun of it a little bit more. And, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, I have an extremely low tolerance for pretension. I have an extremely low tolerance for kind of hyperbole coming from others. And... Okay, yeah, so you're you're this movie was for you. <laughs> yeah, this was great for me. This was great for me because uh you know, just with with the way uh Tyler is 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 talking to her like, no, you have to get on my level enjoying this. Yes, it's yes. Like, oh, it's, it's very like, that. Oh. And he's so annoying. At first you think he's like just like a really obsessive and you think they're a couple which later turns out to be untrue. So so you're like, oh, he's just you know, she's just her boyfriend's really into this thing here and she just kind of is trying to go along with it. And she's just not into it like he is. And it's funny because I'm like, especially as the uh, story unfolds uh, the whole time, I'm like, dude, she is breaking up with him after this. That is for sure. Uh, oh, yeah. The, so the Insufferable as a person. And it's it makes so much more sense on a rewatch. And I, I always appreciate that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And just like his one of one of my favorite kind of like t- like Tyler is a deeply pathetic character at, over the so course of the much. entire thing. We'll and, get into him. Oh yeah. Sure. And and we're already right off the bat, he just cannot convince the this woman we think is his girlfriend that a, of any of this jargon. She, he any can't of it. he can't make any aspect of this experience stick with her. And he is trying so hard to. to well, and to, it's also uh, visually. Sorry, not to not to cut you off. No, but, go ahead. Like, no, that's visual, okay. Visually, he, you know, he's in a suit and a tie and like nice slacks. He's very clean shaven. His his hair has like noticeable product, and you know, he just look. And not that Anya's character looks unkempt or anything, but she's wearing like a very, uh, for lack of a better term, simple dress with a leather jacket on top. So there's a pretty clear visual distinction in their wardrobe that kind of subliminally or not tells me, especially with the way he's acting, like so into it. It's clear he's the one, you know, with the money, he's paying for it. And like he he's the one who's into it. So there's already that like distinct, distinct, like 
separation between them. Yeah, if that makes and sense. this is and this is a movie about class conflict in a thousand Absolutely. different ways. And Absolutely. this is where it starts, right? This is where it starts. Is is he is he is fluent in everything that's happening and oh, she yeah. is she is the fish out of water but the the this movie does so good so well at providing wrinkles to all of that right and so we start with okay he's you know he's in his element he's doing his rich guy shit and bringing his mm-hmm. uh you know less rich girlfriend along but they're on this boat right and the the thing that that you you got to understand about rich people is that they don't like being trapped and true. the boat is small. The boat is not a mega yacht, right? There's that not is room. True. It's not, it's really not like, it's there's just a not ferry room boat. For, for all these customers to avoid each other. And the whole right. kind the whole kind of purpose of being rich is so you don't have to mingle with people you, you don't know, you know, it's yeah. It's, like you would think they all expect like their own private room on this boat or something. And it's right. very not that. And to so there is a short ferry ride. Like I think they say it's only like it's less than a half hour, but still, still. Yeah, it's it's not uh this is not like a the limousine, this is not the best boat that you can get for that purpose. And right. that's and and so Tyler, who Nichols Holt does such a great job as portraying him as just like too tall for his own body, and he's really <laughs> cramped in this little seat next to her as people are trying to make small talk and stuff. And it's just like his his trying to ignore the fact that he is physically uncomfortable in a space this small was part of uh like it was one of the great little touches in terms of how like awful that is this so was. Funny. That is so funny because I didn't even notice that. I didn't realize how tall he was until he uh, like stood up next to Chef during his his little scene that he gets <laughs> his shining moment later, and I was like, "Oh fuck, he is like really tall." <laughs> yeah, yeah, he. Uh, but yeah, that's a good point though. Like, it already sets up this like claustrophobic feel, which the whole movie is claustrophobic. The whole the almost the entirety of the runtime takes place in the restaurant, uh, which is a very intimate open floor plan uh kind of thing yeah i mean it's it's a uh i mean the whole movie is a movie about a trap right it's about basically uh, yeah it's it's, i mean it's effectively a a structured like an agatha christie story in a lot i said that i literally i (laughs) too i i even i everything i do in my life i do as if i have like a companion camera with me so i like turned to the seat next to me in which no one was sitting and i was like (laughs) this could be an agatha christie like whispered out loud to myself (laughs) and i agree i agree (laughs) and it and it's such a well-done version of that um, yes. But yeah, it's it's a trap, and and it's people who think that they're being offered something exclusive, right? And, and and Tyler even says uh twelve fifty ahead, and then Margot is like, "What are we eating a Rolex?" But th- like, what does that mean? Because twelve fifty, I feel like if they're only paying one thousand two hundred fifty dollars, like in today's economy, that's my rent. I feel like somebody I, could figure out how to like. I, I thought they meant like 12,500. Right. I had that thought too because I I ran the math real quick and it's cuz it's one service a night and it's mm-hmm. it's it's 10 or 12 uh seats. Right. And so they they're not making more than 15 grand a night or so. That's why it was like 1250. That seems so low. Like yeah, <laughs> and the, and that uh 
that may have been just kind of a, a miss. Uh or or yeah. it may have it may have been a, a price point that was picked specifically to to frame this as like something super rich people wouldn't care about throwing away at all. But exactly. somebody like Tyler, it would be kind of at the edge of his reach. Gotcha. And so I I, I think that that it, they might have picked it for storytelling purposes more than verisimilitude because yeah. I I ran it those numbers just... and I'm like. I was uh -oh. gonna say it could just also be me not understanding language. Like he could have easily meant like twelve thousand five hundred, but I I just I don't know. It just when he said twelve fifty, I was like, I mean, I've seen people get like a thousand dollar bill at fancy restaurants before. Yes, <laughs> like, um, don't get me wrong, it's expensive, obviously. No, it but. it takes work, and and like so so for context, I'm in Chicago, and the oh like okay, the, the I kind of height in in Chicago, basically. Oh, cool. Uh. And one of the one of the restaurants that I was thinking of throughout all of this was was Alinea, which is the kind okay. of okay, yeah. Uh, and, and Alinea is like seven hundred dollars a plate, but okay. it's not. It's more than one service per night, mm -hmm. and the 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 cost is a little lower because it's you're running a restaurant in the city of Chicago as opposed to on a remote island, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but at one service a night, I did not think twelve fifty scanned as as the right number but yeah not to ridicule the price of this meal but it just yeah i i was expecting a more astronomical number i, uh, I was also anyway, it doesn't doesn't matter just a little detail i know <laughs> <laughs> uh and you did too you read the numbers so i love yeah. it uh they did the math um uh but also in like the way Margot is acting towards him, I thought was like oddly strange. And I just thought like, oh, they're a new couple. But then when you watch it again and you realize that she's an escort hired for this, I'm like, oh, she's just she's literally just putting on a performance for him. Like I her the way they interact with each other makes so much more sense because every so often Tyler would have like a little peppered in compliment to for Margot in order to keep me like the audience member on board that they're together like he would just be like oh i'm with the coolest girl here and i'm like okay so he does like this girl like and he's it's and weird. There, and there were also things that happened i think as early as the boat ride that kind of intimated that it might be an abusive relationship oh okay uh, yeah uh, i've heard a lot of people say this as well too and, the, and there are moments where tyler kind of very inappropriately snaps at her mm -hmm. uh in in his quest to get her to to kind of join him in, and enjoy in, in enjoying and in playing in this space with him yeah. uh you know i think at one point he calls her a child or something like that he does call her a child later yeah he becomes, um, like he's he becomes increasingly more insufferable every time he opens his mouth yeah and and this movie is all about increasing right everybody becomes Definitely. more and more extra versions of themselves over the course of the movie but yes. uh but yeah I, I think there was some intimation of that as well that this might be uh either an abusive relationship or or a situation where if not an escort like i don't think i i scanned it as an escort thing right off the mm. bat but it may have been i may have scanned it as like a, a like a an unspoken kind of she's dating him for his money situation right 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 not so much like yeah, a just, sugar daddy situation but like a yeah but you just immediately he's making a know something off yeah 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 a business decision yes <laughs> um 
But yeah, so then they uh, all get to the island. And and this is a movie, I'm sure I'll say this more times too, that I really, really appreciate when exposition is done right. This is a very show-don't-tell movie, and I really, really appreciate that. Uh, and they just, the way everyone is introduced feels so organic to me because nobody, like, they're telling you about who they are without explicitly saying everything, you know? But at the yeah. same time, they kind of are with, like, him being like, oh, my God, that's the illustrious food critic. And then, like, here's this dude behind her, like, acknowledging everything you say. And so I'm immediately like, okay, this is her assistant or, like, her colleague, her, I think he's her magazine editor or whatever. So, like, that kind of thing. Yeah. And this is another part of the story that's definitely structured the way Agatha Christie structured things. You know, definitely. we've got we've got our 10 little idiots together. We've got yes. our Orient Express together. Yep. And and then and that's the exposition. We've we've got like the characters are at the beginning kind of slotted into tropes, which yes. which creates some shorthand so that there doesn't need to be a ton of front-loaded exposition. Yes. And then we and then those tropes are kind of undermined and worked through over the course of the movie. But uh no, that was I, I thought that was excellently done as well because it's like because there, there's something I do typically, you know, after the first act of a movie, I'll turn to whoever I'm watching with and and I'll be like, Okay, now we've got a movie. Like okay, yeah, now, now, now I like, know right, what we're dealing with. Yeah, yeah. Like, Everybody's introduced. We've had an inciting incident. We've got like a, an obvious conflict, and we're cooking with gas. And yeah. no pun intended here. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> uh, but this this it happens so early with this. Uh, and I appreciate I that because it, it allows us to get right into it. And a big part of it is they really let the actors improv because they're in such a small, intimate setting that they're pretty much always, you never know when you're going to be in the background of a shot. So for like 12 hours a day, every day of shooting, they were in character, improving and doing doing their thing. Um, but I also appreciate that this is a very tight movie in that there's not really a lot of red herrings or just generally extraneous details introduced everything you learn about these characters has some sort of payoff whether it be small or large later and i and i kind of like that um and something it, i don't know how it took me three rewatches to realize that john leguizamo's character is an unnamed actor yep i thought for sure i was just a dumbass and missed his name like and they like they said it and i especially because when she introduces him, he goes to say whatever his like stage name is. And then the assistant Felicity is like something Diaz or whatever. And he, and he's like, you gave him my real name. And he's like, yeah, of course I gave him your fucking real name. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I yeah. so I thought I just missed it. And, but no, he like, they made the creative choice to not let his, whatever his actor's name is get played. He's yeah. another actor also who I, I knew who he was before the movie. I just didn't realize he was in this movie because, like I said, I clocked out of the trailer so much. And I think it played back to back with the Christmas movie, like Violent Night. And he's in that. So I think I just got confused. I was like, yeah. He's been on my screen for like seven minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. And I, I love Leguizamo. I thought he was great in this role. Uh, this and and this is a funny one where... Uh, there's there's another Agatha Christie connection that's at, totally happenstance, which is that this remind. Did you see the? Uh, you said you you just watch horror, right? So you didn't watch Pretty the much, yeah. Bra <laughs> the Brana murder on the Orient Express. 
I I've heard of it because I'm okay. familiar with like Agatha Christie works, but I've never seen it myself. No. Okay. So Kenneth Branagh remade Murder on the Orient Express. Long story okay. short, one of the characters is supposed to be an over the hill actress. Okay. And he cast Michelle Pfeiffer in that role in her nice. first major movie role in in like uh, quite some time. Right. Okay. Just, so it was like a meta was, thing in some. Yeah, ways. and I thought Leguizamo was a was was a great. Uh, definitely contribution to that tradition of like a guy a self-aware guy who's playing a, a kind of a version of himself uh in a version of, of people he knows it's yeah. always a lot more interesting to see those kinds of roles who did he i'm trying to remember who he said i watched him like behind the scenes interviews with of all the casts. was it was it, it cruise was it tom cruise that he was basing oh. himself on no he said jason seagal that's right <laughs> oh no he said steven steven seagal or steven seagal he yeah, said steven seagal that's right and steven that's seagal. hilarious that's Which is such funny. a funny thing like he said it was he said he based it off of a a, a couple different people but that was the one person he actually did name because he's a name dropping <laughs> whore uh, right so, exactly but, no, it was funny uh but uh yeah and uh this this also might be a good time too to mention especially in the horror world do you what do you do you think there's a difference between the terms self-aware and meta? So, yes. Um, Agree. Yes, because their self-awareness is, is is a very specific application of the awareness to self, right? Whereas yes. meta is something that a director can do to an actor. And the actor may not okay. be aware I see what of it. Yes, and so, yes. and so, a great example of that recently from from super pop culture is uh, the casting of Christian Bale in the new Thor movie. Okay. Where, I mean, Christian Bale is one of the most self serious and least self aware actors kind of cooking right now. That is and, true. And you get the sense that. Putting him in that movie was Waititi kind of poking fun at him in a way. Uh, and that's meta, right? To to put yeah. like a very humorless guy in this like f- famously humorous franchise. Right, right. And and that isn't necessarily something that Christian Bale was aware of. Right. And so there's so there's still that meta layer to it without the 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 self-awareness aspect. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I do. Uh, I I like I like that description because a lot of people I feel like maybe misinterpret what those two terms are and use them interchangeably, but I don't think they should be. Uh especially because I, I run all around the circles of Scream. Like Scream is my shit. I'm dedicated like it's it's my number one. So and Scream happens to be a movie that is both self-aware and meta so that movie kind of construes the terms but i think there's definitely a distinct separation because like you said self-aware is like like these characters margo tyler chef like they don't they don't know that they're in a movie they're not acknowledging that they're like that they're self-aware of of the fact that they're in a you know this is not a winking movie. You're not being winked yes. at from this movie. Yeah, and that's like breaking the fourth wall to look at the camera, nothing like that. But it's meta conceptual in the fact that they, you know, they're like, it's all part of the menu. It's theater, it's stagecraft. It's like these characters know that they're a part of a story, 
but not that it's a movie yeah. and, and it's, we it, are people watching a movie and at the end of the day no matter how good a movie is it's still a, a work that was produced directed acted in people everything you see was meticulously crafted to be that way in some form or another so it's it, it's meta in that it's telling a story with about a story but it's not self-aware in the fact that the characters know it right yeah it's a movie about art right it's a movie and it's yes. a movie about yes. a, a section of the art art industry which movie making also is and right. it's about it's about artists and artists relationship with their consumers and their patrons and mm. there's no way to make a movie about any kind of art without it also being about movie making because that's exactly you know yeah. that's the art they know but that is that is definitely different from something like scream or cabin in the woods or even something right like, right like uh funny games yeah where where you've got uh like oh and funny games takes this all the way to the extreme with like True. actually rewinding in the middle of the movie but yes yes uh, uh but it's the it is a different it is different to do a movie about the 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 process and economy and culture of art versus uh a movie that knows it's a movie yes and and not to go on this like extended tangent about self-aware versus meta i just wanted to bring that up because i think this movie is quite meta in a way and i just wanted to make that point without saying but it's not self-aware in the way that like like you said scream cabin in the woods and like those kinds of movies are right um, but yeah, so then, you know, they're all at the island, they get to their restaurant. Oh, oh, we forgot to mention that quite a plot point is uh, Margot. Originally, Tyler was supposed to come to this dinner with someone else named Miss Westervelt, which shout out to her for getting the fuck out of this situation. The, he the, the hero of she, the movie. Yeah, the <laughs> bullet that she doesn't know that she dodged. She's she's the max of this movie from Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Uh, yeah, she's the max of this movie. Uh, but yeah, so um, Margot is kind of like a last minute replacement. So last minute that the that nobody is aware of this and this is this is another way for the audience to kind of know like something's wrong like they're they're a little too meticulous on who exactly these people are and everything like it, it kind of makes sense to have a lot of information about who's paying so much money and everything but they're like crazy with it so yeah and it's an excellent introduction for uh for elsa for hong chao's character oh my god hong chao for oscar please she I, she's so it in this good movie. She's she electric. She is uh, everything. Oh my god! I love anybody who anybody who came uh, Elsa the Maitre D and any any other actor who comes near her in this movie just gets ragdolled. Is literally <laughs> oh my god tossed back and forth like sloppy meat. She is just everything in this movie. I love 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 her character. Um, and um, and, and that's your first interaction with her, like like her not. Like like having to face a situation that isn't as planned, and you're like, yeah. oh, these people need some control, huh? These these people and might like, be freaks for control, right?" And before the whole like murderous cult thing comes into play, I'm kind of rooting for her, uh, her being Elsa because she's like, I'm like, that's right, but like she's in the service industry. Take no shit. Like, yeah, you got to be polite and everything to make the sale, but take no shit. <laughs> like, you're still yeah. a human being. And, like, and she, her. she's the one who really gives 
the first escalation in the creepy factor as she's giving the tour of the island that is before true. they sit down to dinner, where they get in the smokehouse and and she's talking about it's exactly 152 days to age this beef. Right. And you're like, okay, these are freaks. And and somebody cracks a joke. Somebody's like, well, what if it's 153 days? And she deadpans, and deadpan doesn't even begin to cover her delivery of everyone yes. in this movie. But and that's she like dead- most of the humor of this movie is like it, it's not that p- the characters are cracking jokes. It's it's that they're just so ridiculous in who they are. And the fact that they're playing it so straight, you laugh at the fact that you're like, damn, they're really like this. Like they don't yeah. they do not realize how much of a piece of shit they are in real life. <laughs> and 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 just like the the unspoken hatred flowing between every kind of level of, of class in this yes. movie. Yes. Uh, and 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 so Elsa hits them with like, well, if it's 153 days, you know, the the bacteria would develop and it would consume your insides and you would yeah. die a horrible death. So yeah, chaos would would I think break out. <laughs> it's like okay, this is where we're this, okay. Like yeah, she's funny. We're and, gonna and ask. It, it she's does... funny and also like these people are in for a time here. Like you know that these Definitely. people are 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 gonna catch the heavy end of the hammer. Well, and and this movie is there's always this sense of dread because they're so isolated because, you know, and and later on, it becomes a point that nobody really fights back when shit hits the fan. But also, I kind of buy it because let's say one of these. First of all, they're all rich, spoiled people. They don't know how to defend themselves for shit. But let's say one of them does somehow make this grand escape. Where are you going to go? You are 30 minutes isolated out uh out uh completely waterlocked like you know right like, you're not swimming to safety i mean maybe there's a boat for rescue sure but if there's not where are you running to <laughs> and and as as things kind of escalate you also see the one of the the other kind of important class distinctions is who is willing to immediately acknowledge that this is real and a problem and who Definitely. is insistent that this is still some kind of performance yes and and yes. that that i think became a, a really strong factor in why like no kind of fight back happened is because true, everybody true. wanted it to be like basically an extreme haunted house right like that yeah, this is yeah. that this is oh this is just a uh, uh you know, this is just a freak artist operating at the the ends of the spectrum for transgression, and no, a, a person did not just put a bullet in their brain in front of us. Right, right. Um. So yeah, like things, and and that's the. This is a rare case in which, in my opinion, every thing every situation escalates more and more each time and the movie kind of lays that out for you by having the cute little like first course a moosh boosh and it's like in it like uh almost like a tv show like it does like a really high quality food still of what it is the text appears on screen showing the ingredients it's it's kind of funny and i do appreciate it because uh you know this movie is like about the food show that food off like it's i i think it's cute and it's a storytelling technique that i haven't quite seen or can come and it helps make this movie uncomparable to anything else because how we were kind of talking about in the beginning with the trailer the genre of this movie is really just 
I, I, I cannot say that, uh, like when people are like, Oh, what the, what is that movie? Like, I'm like, I, you just got to go see it. Like, I don't know. It's, I really have nothing to compare it to. I've heard online people compare it to midsummer mostly because of the end. I'm like, mm, that's reaching like, just because it both, they both end in fire. I don't think that. that yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't like, I think midsummer is much more of a, a, a kind of a classical horror structure. Whereas yeah, this, and like this I guess they into share cults in common, but yeah, like you said, but, yeah. But and and cult is also an interesting word here because part of the tour is the dormitory, right? And right, where they all live. Yep, where they all live on these single beds that have no mm-hmm. privacy. It looks like a military barracks. Everybody's bed is perfectly made. There's no personal effects of any kind. Yeah, and you're like. Oh, these are some ride or die motherfuckers, huh? Like these are definitely like they are. You're like, damn, these people like are committed. Like it, it yeah, yeah. Um, but it, <laughs> but that and and that as a a cult becomes interesting because uh, it's a much more like it's it's a cult whose purpose is to interact with the outside world as opposed to right. escape from it. In a lot of ways, it's a business yes. cult, which is a yeah, really different yeah. from a religious cult. Definitely. So much cult oh. talk on this podcast. In the midsummer <laughs> episode, we had a huge debate on religion versus cult, and so it's like bringing me memories of that back. But oh uh, yeah, yeah. So we're so yeah. Elsa's kind of giving them the tour of the island. She shows them the smokehouse. She shows them the private living quarters. And one thing they also see on the way to the restaurant is uh this one little like cabin that's isolated, and it's where Chef lives. And uh, Tyler's like, can we check that out? And she's like, not even we are allowed to check that out. So, checkoffs, a, a lot of ch- a lot of checkoffs objects in this movie, and one of them is this cabin, definitely uh, chef's cabins, chef's and it, cabin, and it sets chef up as kind of a Willy Wonka character. I agree. Yeah, like it, it adds this layer of mystery to him, and we've heard so much about Julian Slowick at this point before even seeing him on screen, and that's what I mean. Like I love the way this movie does exposition. Uh, just a just a real quick tangent about the old couple. We haven't really mentioned them yet. There's an older couple uh, in the in the ensemble cast here, and this older couple. I don't know about you, but my first rewatch or my my first watch, not rewatch. I got their story immediately and they barely say anything to each other. And it said so much. I'm like, all right, struggling couple. And then as soon as the wife was like, she looks like Claire. I was like, oh, dead daughter right there. That's all I needed. And sure enough, they do. And they go up flare further in the disturbing nature of the dead daughter. Right. And and so I was like that. Like, these are just such side characters, and they've barely said anything about them, but I totally get their whole story. And it's and it's already starting to build connections between these characters yes. who who should have no connection, but obviously are, right. are going to, to be connected in some way or another. Yes. Um, and so I actually spent a, a good chunk of the movie thinking the coming reveal was that Margot was his daughter. Oh, okay. Because they didn't they didn't explicitly say dead daughter. We just knew that it was it, she may have been missing oh, or run off. Oh, I did. Oh, I see what you're saying. No, and so I, I, th- I thought there was kind of a feint in that direction, which was which created some interesting tension. Gotcha. No, the second the the old guy was like, she looks nothing like our Claire. I was like, oh, yeah, dead daughter for sure. <laughs> so that didn't even cross my mind. Uh, but that's it. That, that is an interesting thing. So uh, I thought you were going to say 
did you think this movie was going to go cannibalism? So that was something that came up in in prior conversations, and that I was, had yeah, I had tried extremely hard not to think about it. I that is very understandable because I also didn't put much thought into it, but just from the trailers and the fact that people were like, "No, it's a horror. It, it falls in the horror umbrella of genre. Like you'll like it." I was like, "Okay, the only direction I could possibly see this going is cannibalism," and I was so wrong. And even I think it was like yesterday, I was telling some of my coworkers about this movie, and they were like, "Oh, that's that that cannibalism movie." I was like, "Uh, mm, no, like <laughs> you should go see it." Yeah, no, you would think that, but no. <laughs> and I'm really glad I'm really glad it didn't, because I think that, that I think if it did, that becomes just a really long feature length episode of Hannibal. Uh, yeah, the TV pretty much. Show. Yeah. And, 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 and it's it, also just cannibalism is like such a it's a topic we've seen before. This is not something we've seen before. Yeah, this uh, is necessarily. Yeah, th- this is, it was definitely much more original than that, right. um, which I appreciate. And, yeah, I also appreciate. And also, that would have been, I think, disrespectful to an art form that they were trying to show respect for. Of, yeah, of, I agree. of fine dining. I think, I think that. Absolutely. I think that there was, like, they weren't trying to show kind of, kind of 100% fealty to that art. I think there was a lot of satire of the fine dining mm-hmm. uh, community in this. And I think that was good. But I also Absolutely. think. But I also think that like, oh, also there's there's a dead human in every one of those dishes would have detracted from a lot of elements of the story. I agree. And I'm I'm glad we didn't go that route. And it's kind of cool that they made you think it was going to be that route because it definitely subverted my expectations. Not that I had a lot of them at all, but it, it did because I was like, that's the I mean, horror movie, food and people. So I'm like, you, you throw that together, it pretty much equates to cannibalism. But nope, they. This movie is not about cannibalism at all. And so I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, But uh, so, yeah, the characters are all sitting down. You know, they're doing their first course. It's like this fancy multicolored like P dot looking thing, which also speaking of the food, they brought like a real masterclass chef in to do all these dishes and make it like as realistic as possible and that that's definitely something i was thinking about i was like i wonder if they really did their research for this movie about this food and then l- learning all that yeah. i was like oh and, yeah she was like excited to do it too and you ha- and you have to do that right because the Absolutely. like because any any when you make a movie about any activity with a strong internet community you gotta like manage the pedants and... Especially something so universal as food, where like, right? Not not to detract from the point of the movie, but you know, we've all eaten. Essentially, anyone <laughs> can jump on and t- have a conversation about food. But like, it's obviously like very high end food. But you know, there'd right. be like chefs on the internet being like, "I don't like that movie because they're so inaccurate with how they make their food." Or something. And <laughs> you you saw that it, uh, the Queen's Gambit was the funniest example of that for me because I'm a chess guy. Okay. And so like, and and chess has a long history of being portrayed. In in insane ways on screen because of course. if you don't do your research and you just like set up a chessboard to make l- people try to look smart a chess mm-hmm. player is going to pause that show look at that board and yep. be like what the fuck is that uh and so that on for the king's for the queen's gambit they hired gary kasparov the former world chess champion and they were Love like that. as much money as you need to save us from ourselves on the chess <laughs> Just like literally whatever it takes to get you to to keep us from embarrassing ourselves. And I, I would guess this was made with the with a similar amount of care. 
Yeah, I I agree. Uh, and and I appreciate you know that level. Filmmaking is such a intricate art, and I feel like when you take those extra steps to really strive towards perfection, which is a unachievable goal as we find out from this movie but still <laughs> I, it's, it's cool throwing in all those little details and me like a film nerd i'm like yeah that's so cool to like learn that kind of information and stuff um but yeah so we we get some more funny interaction from the uh the characters the food critic has a line that i think is so funny because she's like what is this ongoing obsession with snow and the editor dude is like it's a plague and no one is immune which is probably a covid joke but i just think it's funny because i just recently moved to the west coast i live in la now from indiana where there's a lot of snow and so it's december right now so all those bitches back home are dealing with that. And I'm like, snow is a plague. And I got the fuck away from this. See, I'm a, I'm a Chicago lifer and I love snow. Yeah. Uh, but I, I also think that this was a, it was a really good establishment of how kind of empty the, the, those two critics were in terms Definitely. of everything is being framed in terms of trend and what other mm-hmm. people are doing and whether is something played out or not. And they're talking about it like it's painting yes and, yes very much you know so. they're they're talking about it like it's fine like it's fine art like it's sculpture or and and that kind of degree of emptiness doesn't necessarily apply to food right where like and, and you could hear in their interactions they're kind of pre-writing their review and you could hear them be like oh absolutely oh, that's, that's a good adjective oh that's a good one you know and it's yep. and it's like man you guys like you guys have totally lost the plot here on what's happening. Oh yeah. They like, it's, it's, they're delusional. It's so funny. Cause like they, they, and that's where the comedy becomes. They, because these characters, uh, I, I always want to call her Helen. It's like uh, uh, Lillian and Ted. Lillian Bloom. That's what it is. Yep. Lily, Lillian and Ted. Yeah. So they crack me the hell up. They're probably my like favorite, like side characters in terms of comedy, because everything they say is just so funny because it's like, they really think that they're breaking ground right now. Like when she was like, it's thalassic. I was like, she <laughs> thought she, she said that. And she saw her quote in like a history textbook come up underneath. <laughs> like as she spoke it, it was so funny. Um, it's, it's, it's just the delusion. That's just so funny <laughs> to me. Yeah, and and I think I think that is a, that's another situation where like some of it is delusion, but some of it is also kind of a, a scammy form of pretension where they know yeah they're a key cog in an industry that's driven by hype. Absolutely, and, and so they know that like the 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 accuracy or the the comprehensiveness of their review is secondary to the more kind of promotional aspects of it and secondary to the the tone of it and the tone they're looking for is come to this like like read my review because then you'll be smarter than everybody else you know she's basically an influencer but of food culture right and 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 she she plays it too in such a way that it doesn't feel cartoonish to me because it's like she she probably wasn't always like that and she's also not just like an overall stereotypical like asshole bitchy character she's just so pretentious and it like you know i i could buy not that it really goes into her backstory at all but i could buy that you know she was just this person who probably like 
reviewed food once, got really into it, realized people were like enjoying her reviews, built up upon it, and then just got money from going to these fancy restaurants and becoming like internet famous that she just the pretension kind of grew over time. That's that's essentially my headcanon for Lily. Yeah, I mine was slightly story. different because <laughs> because of how old and established she was. She she struck me more as a kind of old school form of of journalist. Who that is was, true. Yeah, was an actor unto themselves within an industry, right? And mm-hmm. so like, so she was not just a food critic, but the food critic, the top of the list, the award winner. Yeah, and and we get into later how she she had made an absolutely broken restaurants with her pen. Yes, and yes. so and so she, I think, is. Somebody who who yeah started out as a uh, uh, a critic who you know just loved food and writing about food yada yada, but eventually gained so much power within the industry that that yes. became much more of her motivating factor than the the first order stuff. And so you yes. get a and I'm so glad we're talking about all these characters like stories now and like who they are, because uh, at the end, I'm going to make an argument that I am completely on board with every single character in this movie remaining in their seats when they know they're about to die. Because a lot of people online are like, I don't buy that they would just sit there like it's a little goofy. I am willing to make an argument that I completely buy it for every single character in this movie but we'll get into it at the end and yeah. all of these little backstories are going to make that argument stronger so definitely <laughs> uh but yeah so then uh the thing ray finds keeps doing uh julian slowick is this like clap that is so effective you know you saw in the trailers i think it's so it's this is one of the best modern day jump scares i've ever seen because it inherently isn't scary but just the idea of this intimidating presence beginning each new segment of the story with this like over based clap that just yeah i mean even the characters in the movie get scared by it too so like it, it's just such a jarring sound that yeah. I, I think it's a jump scare that's done well i would consider this a jump scare and it's done well i agree and i also think it's it's an interesting variation on the like very basic film writing trope of like if you don't know where you're going next, write a shot rang out and go from there. And it yeah. sounds like a it sounds like a a, a a weapon firing. It sounds like a bullet. It does a gunshot. Yeah. And and it's it gives a a pivot point, a fulcrum Absolutely. for the movie to reorient for each for each kind of act for each element of the menu. And so I really like it as a a punctuation kind of on the movie. I agree. And, and and I think this movie is paced so well and effectively in such a way that everything just keeps there's not really a falling action. It's just always rising. And then the movie just ends. So, <laughs> and I kind of like it. <laughs> That's my vibe. Uh, but yeah, so we're going through the courses. And then I the second course is hilarious because it is he goes on a big uh this chef goes on a big spiel about how bread is the food of the common man and these rich people aren't the common man so they don't get bread they get just the accompaniments of bread yeah and this hilarious it's hilarious and this this is the scene more than anything else that makes me want to see a director's cut of this movie because i cannot wait to own this movie on blu-ray fuck yes at some point over the during this course i think it's lillian who says to ted 
oh oh very bold for a restaurant known for its bread to to not serve bread no uh that was the assistant felicity oh the the assistant felicity right yeah i remember and and i'm like and and i think that that had just been a cut right that like i think that it that had been set up more in a in a scene that they cut out because this movie had a very generous and civilized runtime. Yes. Uh, and and so I this is one of the few movies where I'm like, oh, there's there's a lot more to this bread concept than ma- than what made it to the final cut. I could see that. I could see maybe a scene or two being uh, of someone talking about their bread. But uh, yeah, it is. It's so funny. And like even the characters in the movie are laughing about it because they're like, wait, is this is this real? And they're like, they're really just not giving us bread. And I'm like, that is so funny. Uh, but um, this, the the food critic says she's like, and I love her like her slick black hair and everything. I don't know. I'm very like, I look at all these details and get amused by them. I'm a drag queen. If you, I don't know. If oh, I okay, good to know. I didn't so, know that. But so de- oh yeah. So details like the hair and like the wardrobe. I'm just thinking about always because I'm just. That's just my shit. Yeah, but definitely. Like just the with this like giant floral trench coat, and she's like sitting there, and she's like, "It's fiendish, really." <laughs> and I, I have not. Stopped. I think that is the single most standout line in the movie for me, for me personally, because I have not that, stopped thinking about it's, it. It's certainly, and with all due respect to your 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 profession and hobby and art, it's certainly the campiest line in this movie. <laughs> yes, it is. It's so funny to me, and that like. <laughs> I I audibly was cracking up at that. Yeah. And that's why I say the food critics are so funny to me. Um, but but the, yeah. the, the bread course is also a good time to talk about the one group of customers we haven't mentioned yet, which is the the tech bros. Oh, the, my God. Yeah, we really have not talked about them. So, yeah, yeah we've got quick, quick rundown of our characters in case you've never seen the movie, which if so, how are you an hour into a podcast with super spoilery, spoilery information? But yeah, so we've got uh tyler and margo pretty much the main ish characters you know that her we open the movie with and margo is very much a vessel for the audience she's the outsider she's the yeah the one who sticks out and we see the movie through her eyes so you know she's essentially the main character then we've got the older couple whose names i absolutely don't remember i think the last name is librant but i don't remember their first names then uh, Richard, got... Richard and Anne, I have. There we go. Richard and Anne. oh yeah because she does call him dick at one point <laughs> that makes sense <laughs> uh uh, and then we've got the food critics, Li- Lillian and Ted. And then we've got John Leguizamo's unnamed actor character and his assistant Felicity. And then we have our three tech bros whose names I also do not remember. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I haven't written down because I, I, I don't really, I don't think we were really supposed to remember their names, but it was, thank uh, God. So- Soren, Dave and Bryce were the three tech bros. Soren? Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, so they, uh, they are like young 20 somethings. Uh, they are clearly like, like they're in an industry, but, and they have lots of money, very new money. If you even can call it that at that point in their lives. But, um, I I think one of them, yeah, I think one of them is older and kind of the, the, the boss of the other two of them. But I it's see a, that, yeah. It's a, it's a very kind of billions like crew, you know. They yeah. they look like hedge fund guys or tech bros or C suite guys. But yeah, they're 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 too rich for their own good and have Definitely. a very unclear job. And um, and one and of they, them, yeah, we find yeah. out during the bread course is uh, 
he needs bread. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. He, he needs hungry. He gets hungry and he's like, no, really, can I get some bread? And Elsa, for not the last time in this movie, mm-hmm. just just puts an ice pick right in his skull. It's just like, no, oh my god, yeah, you're not getting bread. And then and then they pull, and this this becomes foreshadowing and some good exposition. Is like, we're like, we don't want to do this, but do you, do you know who we are? Mm-hmm. And Elsa's just like, yeah, of course. And yeah, it's like, so funny her delivery of that line. She's like, yes, yes, I know who you are. <laughs> you're, you're not you're not getting any bread i know it is so funny and yeah like you said they try to pull that card of like well we work for the guy who owns this like island and land you know like so we technically all work under the same umbrella so therefore you should like look out for us <laughs> yeah and also like we're like we're funding all this right like this is like we're owners here so you should treat us like like owners y- yeah yeah and she's yeah. just like, you don't even know, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, because then he's, oh, wait, no, that has That's the next. Uh, the... Is, is this is this when he's like, I'll have the place closed by morning? And she's like, oh, no, that won't be necessary. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, that I think that's after the the tortilla scene, which, oh, oh boy, oh, that's right. oh, that's boy right. will that's we get to is. the tortilla scene. <laughs> okay, yeah, so that's, yeah, so then we get to the breadless bread is, is funny. Uh, oh, but then another funny running gag of this movie is that the food critic uh, makes a point to be like, the emulsion is broken on this like oil dish or whatever. And also everyone <laughs> in this movie has supersonic hearing because they like chef hears her in the kitchen talking about this emulsion and they the gag of this broken emulsion that comes in later and later is so funny it's such a simple setup that pays off like twice uh, after this and so uh but yeah so they they keep moving on and then uh course i'm trying to remember what course three was because we're on course two is the bread there was something between that and the tortillas yeah i is is course three the tortillas because i know course four is when shit hits the fan let me uh let me pull up that uh script real quick and see if i can find it because i know i know the tortillas start to escalate uh things and then course four so i think course three is the tortillas so yeah yeah he the oh yeah because okay so because he's like i want to invoke a memory with this next course and she goes on a thing because also we forgot to mention that his there's an old woman sitting at a table by herself that's already there prior to all the guests arriving uh to which we find out is chef's mother and then he goes on a story about how when he was three years old uh abusive dad came home and like hit her and then wrapped a telephone cord around her neck and choked her and in order to save his mother uh young child boy Julian Slowick stabbed him with a pair of scissors in the thigh. Uh, and then he says something like, I should have done it in the throat, but we're not so wise when we're uh, children. And I'm bringing this up because he this this has like a small-ish payoff later. So I'm like, everything in this movie was just, yes, like it's so tight and well used. Um, and that begins course three to which the tortillas are given to everybody it's like really fancy packages and they all have pictures on them and the pictures are very specifically laser engraved to the person to each table and um 
Yeah, it's pretty great. It's unbelievable. Uh, this is, it's, a, and this is, it's exposition via tortilla, which is not a method I've seen done before, I don't think. Uh, because, like, you know, we learned that the old couple, uh, we see, like, pictures of them from their past. It's their anniversary. And another reason why I just knew this relationship, this marriage between the two of them was, like, been broken. And they had some deep trauma, like a dead daughter, because it says happy anniversary. And I'm like, they barely said a word to each other. <laughs> And I think also one of the other tortillas that's given to them is Richard at the restaurant it with is, somebody yes. who is not Anne. Yes, and we <laughs> later learn that that's uh, Margot. Yeah, uh, but yes, it's she's like, who is that woman? And also, th- I didn't. I don't think I noticed this on my first watch, but throughout the entire movie, uh, Margot and Richard, the old guy, share some looks, and mm-hmm. they cl- it 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 clearly shows that they know each other. And even the wife is earlier like, where do we know her from? Why does she look so familiar? And so, like, they really allude to the fact that there's a history. And I did not catch it on my first rewatch because I was just so on board with everything else that it's just one of those things I didn't pick up on because I was just too focused on everything else. Yeah, it's a it's a rich. Yeah, it's pretty clear. (laughs) It's a rich text. This movie. It it is Uh, a very rich text. And so the the other tortillas, uh, real quick, Tyler's tortilla is really funny because yes. Tyler has been, despite being warned by Elsa about it, Tyler has been taking pictures of every dish, which he was specifically told not to do. And he's clearly bit. intending on, on posting or distributing these pictures. And so... Which the tor- also, now that I think about it, knowing that he was in on the, like, everyone dying thing... What was he doing with those pictures? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is uh uh I, I think once we get to that course, there yeah. I think there are there are a few kind of open questions about Tyler. Uh okay. and that's gonna be that's gonna be one of them. But I'm interested. He, I my only I, I imagine he must have been live tweeting them. Like he just snap post, snap post. <laughs> right. Yeah, that I think that's my guess, but but anyway, they uh um they they had taken pictures of him taking pictures and then laser right. engraved that on the tortilla right before it must've been right before they brought it out. Yeah. Which is so funny. And also like, I just love Elsa's like, I think, I think there's two separate instances where it shows him like sneaking photos and both times it shows Elsa. Cause she's just kind of circling the restaurant, making sure, you know, doing like a regular maitre d would just make sure everybody's okay and all that and every time it shows her just like giving this like stank face stare at him <laughs> taking these photos. Yep. it's so funny Elsa's great and then uh the the last and kind of most uh plot driving tortilla is for the tech bros definitely who yes. who who receive on their tortillas balance sheets indicating the crimes they're involved in yes yeah they're they're clearly <laughs> embezzling stealing money and all the faulty transactions they they got the receipts and printed them on the tortillas and you, you're right that's when he's like do you know how fucked you are i'm gonna have this place closed by morning and she's like no <laughs> that won't be necessary and 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 it but it starts with a very general demand which is what the fuck is this yeah and and in the funniest delivery of the entire movie, agree. <laughs> Elsa continually responds with, uh, uh, like escalatingly patronizing and condescending, uh, Spanish accents. Yes, 
tortillas. It's so funny. It's and so then, and funny. Like, and then when they're like, how did you get these? She's like, oh, chef never reveals his secrets. <laughs> it's so funny and and the like the dialogue is witty and i appreciate that and that's what makes this movie like so funny it, and i i love it i just oh, i love yeah. this movie so much i already read to see it again <laughs> um, and uh, yeah and and there's a there's a conversation to be had about the producers of this movie and and kind of how this movie came to be uh yeah, for why it's so yeah. funny um yeah, be- it's a uh, will tracy and i forget the other one's name uh, so those are those are the writers. Oh, oh, you're not talking about the writers. Talking about the producers. but the producers okay. of this movie were Adam McKay and Will Ferrell. And oh, the, yes, yes, yes. And the I director is part of like the Adam McKay mm-hmm. kind of coaching tree. The little, uh, he, yep. Yeah, he was a he was he had directed a lot of episodes of Succession, and so yes, have, yes, that's right. We have a really, I mean, the menu came from the same minds as Anchorman. Okay. Yeah, Which that is makes sense. Fascinating. Like it's fascinating. Creativity. Yeah. And it's a fascinating kind of career arc to go from what's sometimes considered the dumbest humor ever made right. to, and to this I, stuff which is brilliantly intelligent. And it it really makes me question how much Will Ferrell has had to do with this movie because I particularly do not love Will Ferrell mm-hmm. and I heard someone on the internet I cannot remember which YouTuber or podcast or I was listening to but someone theorized that attaching his name as a producer credit was them was Adam McKay throwing him a bone and being like look everything you've touched in the last couple of years has been like garbage let me let's put your name on something good so you can actually get careering again <laughs> but I, it's... I I don't follow Will Ferrell at all so gotcha. I'm not sure that is but I just heard someone say that and I was like, hmm, I wonder. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. My like I I think that that a producer typically you see that as an executive producer credit. Whereas yeah, a producer yeah. credit, I, I think Will Farrell, you know, for whatever has gone on in his career in the last few years, made a huge pile of money in the movie business. Good and, good for him. And I, I think uh you know, has has the financial wherewithal to 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 back movies like this even if he's not necessarily part of the creative team in a way that mckay might have been but i i think that he's somebody who will reliably pitch in on the on fronting the budget on these things yeah yeah and so uh, this this movie just had an all-around excellent team in every every department i mean like just cast crew uh art uh uh you know like the people who made the restaurant look like what it is and the set designer like everything just all around beautiful beautiful yeah um but yeah so then the tortilla like everything just gets increasingly more uh anxiety inducing because you're like okay they know everything about all these people what's gonna happen are they gonna like mass kill them like are they and this is you know i'm still thinking like oh they're gonna like cook them up and eat them or something like it's gonna go the cannibalism route and then course four as soon as I saw them put this white sheet on the ground, I was like, oh, here we go. The first time I saw this movie, I went and peed immediately because I really had to. And I was like, this is the turning point. I have to go right now because shit's going to hit the fan and I'm not going to miss it. So I peed so quickly during this scene. Uh, but course four is called The Mess. We see him put a, a sheet, a white sheet on the ground. And it was kind of funny on my first viewing because I just came back and all of a sudden this dude was just getting 
fucking roasted into the shadow realm by chef verbally obliterated and i just came back saw him standing on the white sheet and i was like oh that dude's about to kill himself for sure oh yeah oh yeah that's gonna happen um but yeah this course four is when shit gets real it it does and i think uh i i think this is where you start to see the divisions between the, the characters who are trying extremely hard to buy into this kind of theatrical structure that Chef has put up, and the characters who are like, oh no, something has deviated and, and things have gone wrong, and we are no longer playing a part in this play. Because up until this point, it had been... He had created the atmosphere of it being... Uh, essentially a, a a theater production and more so right. than the food it was uh uh he was telling a story absolutely and and here is where i think a lot of a, a good number of characters were like doesn't feel like fiction anymore yeah yeah and and so uh so yeah what happens is he he brings this one chef out uh i can't remember his name i think it was like Je- uh jeremy maybe i don't know uh so yeah this one chef out from the from the line one line cook out and he gives this like story about how he was wants to be he's a good chef he, he knows his way around food for sure but he's not amazing he's not on the level that i am essentially and he he gunned for me and he gunned for my job and he just and he still didn't get it and so he basically just verbally obliterates him to the point and like in this guy's a pretty good actor because you know you see him start like tearing up and increasingly start like like i feel bad for him in that moment for sure and uh, uh you see the other chefs close a, a like translucent white <laughs> curtain to the kitchen uh, because you know it's about to make a mess and he and the whole time jeremy is standing there he's got his hands behind his back and so after chef gives his little spiel and he's like do you want this job do you want this life he's like no and then he goes all right course four the mess and the dude takes out a gun and just shoots himself right there and then they and of course naturally everybody freaks out and they're like whoa what the hell and then like you said some people are like wait no this is a a performance and chef's just like in the background like it's all part of the menu (laughs) (laughs) um so funny which is like where this movie is meta because the movie is called the meta so like yeah it's all part of the you know like it's so it's not self-aware it's just it's meta i love it yeah um and and so and and that also kind of gives us uh a transition point where, where people start to sweat, people start to get more haggard, people yes. start start to kind of eyeball the exits. Yeah, yeah. And and also it's important to note, too, that at this entire movie, the uh, I guess we can call them servers are acting as security guards. There's always like three really large bouncer dudes standing in the entranceway. There's one standing like near the kitchen. There's one standing near the window. Like, you know, there's all these, there's intimidating forces creating this environment that says we can't leave. And so a huge question is why did no one try and fight back? 
And it's like, it also kind of makes sense because like I said, where are you going to go if you get out? And if you do, there's also like five or six, maybe even more uh, giant buff bouncer dudes that are going to like take you the fuck out. And then like that, one of them even says too, like, you think we have better knife skills than them? Like their chef. Yeah. And it's also, so... the other thing is that like, let's say they all agree to a fight, right? It's mm-hmm. really unclear what a victory looks like and and yeah, absolutely i think they're very concerned because they're they're rich they're very concerned about it becoming a situation where like they've made a mistake and and freaked out during a, a theatrical performance true and, and, that. Yep. and so if they if the guests have to kill somebody in the course of that fight which is likely because there's a lot more of them than there are the guests yeah and and it's it's there's not like a clear escape route, right? Like it, you know, it's it's yeah, uh, yeah. It's like a real hopeless situation overall. Yeah, really, your only option on a, on like a combat level is killing all of them. Yeah, and everyone would have to like agree and pitch in, and they're all like spoiled rich brats. Like I said, they don't know how to like defend themselves. Right, and so I I I don't think it's that ridiculous at this point for them to be like, oh, okay we've walked into a weirder performance than we expected let's just white knuckle and you know kind of freeze and yeah, hope we get and, hope we get let out of here alive and th- also like if you really think about it everything so far has been shown to be meticulously planned like every fine detail they know everything about these people they have access to old records of them old photo like everything like so they so you know that you don't think they thought this through a little bit that you like in the event i try to escape you know it's like do we they probably planned for that and it's like you're just it's a very hopeless situation so i i I understand nobody necessarily fighting back right but yeah shit hits the fan because at this point you know we've seen some real threatening stuff and then also i think it's at this time that uh chef wishes to speak to margo in the kitchen alone so did that happen before or after their encounter in the bathroom? Uh, after the bathroom. Yeah, after, yeah. We did forget to mention that at one point she Tyler is like, like snaps at her, and that's when he calls her like a child. And so she goes to the bathroom to have a smoke, and that's when Chef comes in and is like, "Why are you here? Like you're not supposed to be here tonight." And she, and it, it's it's a pretty creepy interaction, and she's just like. Dude, like, you know, she doesn't understand the gravity of the situation. So she's like, dude, just like, get out of my way. Like, I'm I'm Margo. And, she, and he's like, where are you from? And all this other stuff. Yeah. Um, and also the the, the trans- dynamic. Yeah. And the 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 transgressive act of him being in the women's restroom at all is a very like common movie trope of a guy who is like too in charge of his own domain for his own good. Right. Yeah. Like that- yeah. Where he's just like, oh, there's no secrets here. There's no privacy mm-hmm. here. This right. is my place. And the fact that it's the women's restroom is irrelevant. Yeah. And that's also, too, it sets up that line of like him being like, you shouldn't be here. And she's like, you shouldn't be in here. Because right. She's like talking about the women's restroom. Right. And to him, he's like not thinking about that at all. He's like, he's he's got much bigger plans than anything about that. Um, but yeah, so it just sets up their one-on-one, 1v1 dynamic they have, uh, between them. And then, uh, the next course, I think, is the, the man's folly, right? Where they send them all out? Uh, I believe that there is an 
incident with a finger first. That is true. They the old yeah. man demands to leave and they cut off his finger, which further solidifies to pretty much everyone except the food <laughs> critics that uh it's it's real. This is a actual threatening situation that they're in. And and even even the actor is really funny because he's like, I can't do the hostage thing. <laughs> <laughs> And, and the food critics just further being delusional where she's like, I honestly think this whole thing is for our benefit. That's why yeah. you texted me. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like and it's just like a perfect like protagonist of the universe uh, complex to be like, a guy yeah. has gotten his finger chopped off in front of you, a guy has killed himself in front of you, and you're like, oh, this is a performance for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and, and maybe it's like... not... Yeah, and she, honestly, I could so see me, like, if I was that rich, famous, and delusional, I could so see me going down the road and being like, oh, all of this is for me. Like, they really set this up and did that. <laughs> Like, they're going to reveal in the end that this was all me. And even the Ted is like, the acting is astonishing. <laughs> Which him saying that to yeah. the actor is even funnier now that I think about it. Yeah, and that's a, that's another meta but not self-aware situation right. right there where he's just like, you know, it's it's you know, like it like at the end of Inglorious Bastards where he's like this might be my masterpiece. And it's like, okay, we know who's speaking there. Like mm-hmm. and the acting is phenomenal, but yeah. Uh, and and so yeah, we go to, we go to the next horse which I think is the the man's folly. They go outside, change of environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically chef lets all the men escape uh or, or run away i should say because this one this one's for the ladies uh, a female chef comes out to present uh, a story about how chef essentially tried to take advantage of her sexually multiple times made advances towards her and every single time she was like no but she was still his uh su- subordinate employee so she just had to deal with it and so this is kind of them artistically moving past that and and i like the scenes like this because all of these cooks are so on board for to die for him with him everything and so like it's pretty culty like i would say and they use a lot of like psychological tactics like the whole yes chef thing i feel like is a i mean it's a real thing in the universe for sure. But also in this specific scenario, I think they use it to show the kind of like psychological hold Sloic has on his employees. Yeah. And I think it also kind of shows not just his hold, but his power to redirect real life tension and real life problems right. into the art. And there's a, a very stupid example of this that I'm going to raise for you that this reminded I'm ready. me of. Yes, uh, but tell. back back in examples. back in the early 2000s, yeah, uh, there was a 100% legitimate, not staged, not scripted, actually happened uh, cheating scandal among some very high profile pro wrestlers. Okay, where where the the girlfriend of one had had cheated with another one. And Vince McMahon, who is one of the the masters of of this particular flavor of storytelling, was just like, let's make it an angle. Right, yeah. (laughs) Let's put it on screen. Let's get these two guys fighting. 
Yeah. And 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 so it became it. <laughs> right. It, and it became so he took something that was like a real life problem that he didn't have control over, and turned it into an element of his art form that he had control over. Yeah. And that's what happened here too, where like, yes, she has gotten quote unquote revenge, right? Like she has she has gotten justice, mm-hmm. but she has done it on stage. Okay. For paying yeah, customers. Yeah. Right. And so it's 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 a uh, like he is he is not out of control of that situation. Right. That is not something that that he that would happen to him whether he wanted it to or not. And in Slowick his whole thing is being in control too of of everything. Like he he right. really planned this evening to go perfectly and he, and he even says like later like he strives for perfection and so they account for Tyler um which is the the following like supplemental course because there's also a point where they do like tea uh, a palate cleansing tea kind of thing and he's like right is this bergamot i'm getting chef and he's like but the, yes yeah <laughs> but, but but between between this and that so so we have a, a a kind of circular element of storytelling where she the the sous chef stabs the chef in the thigh with the scissors. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot. To, yeah. yeah, I forgot to go yeah. on with the second We're, half of that part. And that and that because... that small payoff to him being like, I stabbed my dad in the thigh when he was uh, essentially abusing my mom. Right. Small, small little like oh. And and then we have uh kind of the most horror element yet, which is the men are 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 basically told to run. Yes. And the women very, go inside. Very most dangerous game of the movie. Very most dangerous game. The women are brought inside, sit in a little circle, and and complain about men essentially. Which is, yeah, which is so fun. Like it's, it's so fun. The little dynamic they have is so cute. And then the food critic like tries to be like, "Wait, we can get out of this." Like you know, I can I can help you get a restaurant, Miss Chef. And she's like, "Oh, there was there was a time where those compliments would have meant so much to me." And it just shows that these people are like broken. Yeah, like, they're broken down all the way. The other funny element of that 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 I latched onto immediately was Chef kept saying, like, okay, men, run. Like, get a head mm-hmm. start. And Tyler could not register that that included him. Oh, that's right. Like, he was like, no, I don't know. I'm here for sure. No, chef. I'm not a man. Like, this is uh, like, I, like, I'm not leaving Chef. Yeah. And it's He's just such a, like, notice me, senpai, simp character. <laughs> right and it and it and in this situation it goes from like like a a a non-gendered form of pathetic to a very like masculine specific form of pathetic that is where true, yeah. where he just like will like like you man and he just will not respond to that label yep and he's like and, he, and he's like, yeah, you too. And then he just kind of is like, oh, well, okay. Yeah, and he like just kind of like off. saunters off screen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, so yeah, all the men are like out being hunted by the bouncer server shit people of the staff, and the women are inside having their little meal. It's uh the next course. It's only it's only for the ladies, and they're just you know they're talking about it. This is this is maybe one nitpick I also have with the movie is there's a moment where the old the wife uh of the older couple is like, so you know my husband, and at this point, like who cares? She's just like, Margot is like, yeah, I do. Yep. Um, <laughs> and so 
but then it like cuts to i think all the men running around which is fine and then it cuts back to the women and just out of nowhere she's like not that you guys give a fuck but my real name is aaron and this is not like i'm just you know and i'm like i which is fine like i don't have a problem with the scene in general i just thought it was a little like jarring storytelling or i'm like why why wouldn't she say that like while she was talking to the wife that that feels more organic than just blurting it out of nowhere and moving on immediately <laughs> yeah i think that the it's the, a very small nitpick it's a very small nitpick and i also think that that the they they may have done too good a job of setting up the mystery of Margot's identity when mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the the payoff of that wasn't nec- it wasn't necessarily the point right right like, so they're just kind of like let's get this out of the way yeah um tie up this it, little thread and it becomes important to get that exposition in before uh some of the next scenes uh right, which are, right. are some of my favorite but definitely um and and the the chef is kind of asking her to pick a side through the course of these interactions he has with her right like the right right um and so he's the, like, those with them or with us and and those conversations are fascinating oh they're the best they're so high tech well also another technique this movie uses he literally times her right he takes a kitchen timer sets it to 15 minutes he's like this is how long you have to decide whose side you're on and this ticking sound like persists throughout like every scene pretty much and that's another element of the suspense is that when they're talking to each other and you just faintly hear this like tick 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 like oh my god i'm on the edge of my seat like gripping the seats with uh the rest armrest with like all my might because i'm like holy crap what is gonna happen and it the on the on the thematic side of it it really adds another layer to to what had been kind of a a, a simplistic structure of the the class uh, conflict because yeah. because you have the rich customers right and then you have the servers the chef the restaurant staff right who who consider themselves the the lower class mm-hmm. but they are at the far top end of that industry right chef is a celebrity chef is rich in his own right absolutely and he is talking to a sex worker from boston that is true yeah who who is not class dispute in a way that isn't harmful and i like that yeah and and not just that isn't harmful but that is that has layers right that has absolutely uh, complexity to it that that movies don't usually get to yeah this movie kind of in a way normalizes sex work a little bit because her her actual profession is not the uh issue at hand at all the issue is that just she's not supposed to be here well right and it's and it's a it's it's an example of uh like a working class service industry profession but if she had if she had been a barista it would it, it still would have been or if she had been a nurse, or if she had been uh, yeah. like a home caregiver, like a lot of it would have applied still. Uh, and so the sex worker element was was kind of, I think, a useful like plot element in terms of get, uh, getting her into the room. Definitely, uh, but the the point and it reconceptualizes all of her and Tyler's interactions they've had prior to this. Right, reveal. exactly. 
but in terms of how it affects the the themes and the character, the point is that she's a blue collar service worker. The point yes. is that she's a a hand to mouth subsistence service worker. Yep. And Chef extremely is not. Yes. But he came uh, from that, so they have that connection because everybody's got to start somewhere. Right. And uh, this movie this movie also hits me a little different because I've also worked in food service my entire mm. life. And like with every restaurant I worked at, it got like increasingly nicer and nicer. And uh, a story that always come, that came to mind, especially when watching this movie, is I did not realize how much money some people had in the world until like my first year at college when I was with some people who have of several tax brackets higher than me and i they were like we got to go check out this local restaurant it's like dive bar themed and i was like what and we go there and they are eating this shit up thinking it's like so niche and i'm like this is not a theme this is just poor people food like what i was like this is everything i'm trying to get away from and it, so every watching this movie i felt like i was with those people and i was like ah oh, this um, yeah, the 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 very class cathartic watch. Yeah, the cl- the class like both the the actual class dynamics and the class cosplay that goes on in this movie is so fascinating, hilarious. But uh, yeah, so they all the all the hunter men successfully round up all the guest men and bring them back to the dining room, and it's it's a pretty funny montage. It shows them all doing their own thing, like the old guy is slow and missing a finger so he does not get very far at all one of the tech bros is like trying to get out on a boat so now he's like dripping wet because he was like in the water uh and then hilariously the editor is the last guy to be found and he's like balled up real tiny in the corner of a chicken coop and instead of just getting like yanked out like all the rest a window opens and this dish comes in and you hear a guy go a special treat for the last one (laughs) (laughs) and he's like explaining it he's like it's a twist on this like egg thing (laughs) it's so funny (laughs) cracked me up and then he just eats it because honestly at that point like yeah (laughs) i was yeah well i guess and he still kind of isn't 100 percent clear if 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 he's part of a performance or not Right, right. Uh, at this point, I think it's pretty clear it's real, though. Yeah. This is when they're being hunted. And then yeah. I think, and even when they go outside, they have that line from the trailer where she's like, we're, we're all going to die tonight. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, yes, we are. Yep. Yes, we are. Which <laughs> uh, it, It's pretty funny. And, um, but yeah, so they bring everybody back and they get ready for the next course, which is, I think, the final course? Well, there's time. Oh, well, Tyler, I was like, that's what it is. Because that's the thing. I, I remember re-watching this movie, and the at the beginning, they say there's six courses. And I was like, six? I feel like there was like ten. Why do I remember like ten? And it's because they have like the palate cleansing tea and this moment with Tyler and all this extra stuff. And like the egg was part of it. got its own little like title card. So I was like, that's why I remember so much more food than six courses. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they bring him back, and they have this moment where they're like, uh, we need to... Uh, deal with the pressing matter and it's tyler and this is where we learn that tyler has known the entire time 
uh, way ahead of time that everybody was going to die. He's such a fucking like incel simp for this chef specifically <laughs> that he is like willing to die for him just to experience his food and that he hired Margot because his last girlfriend, the Westervelt lady, broke up with him. So she was a last minute replacement. And so Margot, understandably, gets pissed off because she this was all he basically let, you know, killed her. And so she attacks him, which was her choice. She she made a lot of Anya Taylor-Joy made a lot of creative choices that made it into the movie. And this was one of them. He was like, look, I do not. She goes, I, I do not see a way where we can move on from this reveal without me going ballistic and punching him. <laughs> and they were like, all right, do it. <laughs> uh, Yeah. And, and that I think I think that pays off in her fight with Elsa mm-hmm. later. Definitely. Uh, another creative choice she made was to have her back to the chef the entire time and with it where her seat is. Uh, yeah. And she she stands by the choice, but she said she gave herself like a lot of like back and side pain by constantly having to be like twisted in a chair to. Uh... To but that was her choice. And she's like, I stand by it. But I did hurt myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it it does work really creatively. And I like I like that they went with that. But uh, yeah, anyway, so they introduced the next chorus, which is a s- completely unplanned uh, moment to basically humiliate the hell out of Tyler. Because also slowly we've been learning everybody's reasoning for being gathered to this island, which is also very Agatha Christie, just like mass revealing everybody's st- connection. But right. uh, yeah, the food critics are basically just like, they're awful rich people that have led to small businesses, uh, small restaurants getting shut down because they left a poor review and then that detracted from business to the point where they had to close. So there's just he's basically saying they're a, they're they're the plague on their on society with their opinions and raw influence that they have over the food community. Then right. the old couple are there because they eat there so often but don't appreciate it. And it's supposed to be this high end like experience and they've eaten there 11 times and they can't name a single dish they've had, even though everything is introduced in uh, such a presented in such a phenomenal way. So basically, they just don't appreciate his his art craft his uh, his art form and his craft. Uh, And then we have the tech bros who are excuse me. Who are there because they're just you know same same similar reasoning they're just spoiled rich kids who just well don't appreciate no it. there's another wrinkle to that they're okay. employees of the owner of oh the, and and that of the of the restaurant and the island right who, the the angel investor who the is angel investor who, who is then uh killed in front of them in an extremely uh like pretentious and artistic way where he's he's yes. given like the the angel wings and dropped out of a mm-hmm. helicopter into the ocean yeah which is also uh like set up earlier because when margot goes to have a smoke in the bathroom she sees somebody out there putting the wings on the on the track Mm-hmm. which is which is cute because it's like so we knew those were coming back and the, boy did they come back and it, it's also quite humorous because he's just like listen that silence can you hear it listen <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so that that is pretty funny and yeah so they have this course where they just humiliate the fuck out of tyler because they reveal his reasoning for being there is that he knew all about all all of this stuff and he's just he's taken the he makes an example out of him. He's taken the 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 magic and the 
the love and passion out of the art form that is cooking by meticulously uh, studying it without being able to reciprocate and show for it. So he just humiliates the fuck out of him by being like, you're a cook, you're supposed to cook, so let's cook. And he just, he makes him just cook anything. He he, he comes up with like some vegetables uh, and and uh, lamb of all proteins. <laughs> he chose lamb. I was like, <laughs> What? but whatever he's under pressure and wants to impress chef i guess so he picks the, the like the hardest meat to, I to cook like, what i was like you could have said anything and you said lamb <laughs> uh but yeah he just makes this horrible mess of a uh of a dish and that gets its own t- title card called tyler's bullshit <laughs> and it's so funny and the whole time chef is just like saying the funniest shit he's like Tyler's like dicing the onions with the peel on and everything and Chef is just like a new dicing method in which we've been woefully ignorant (laughs) (laughs) and 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 it's just a like it's just a brutal pathetic display from Tyler because you you just can't help but feel like the secondhand embarrassment like right and also you can't it's you can't help but feel that like okay at this point we have it's bad to eat the food but not appreciate it right to not know what you're eating it's bad to write in the newspaper about the food Mm -hmm. it's bad to be the investor who allows the food to exist yeah and now and and well that one's a little deeper too because they're like they're trying to make the point that like he's yes he's put up the financial burden to give him the platform to make this art but he's not the artist so he shouldn't so that's why he gets so mad and he's like there's no substitutions i made this dish so meticulously crafted and here you are like oh just change it it's that easy and (laughs) and i get i get that uh yeah but yeah yeah and now and now at the at the end with tyler we have being a slavishly devoted fan who can't cook Exactly. It's also bad. Yeah. And and at the end of that road, you go, well, how do you be a customer? Yeah. Yeah. And and he even uh, Julian Slowick is is aware that he's part of the problem too, and he and he mentions it, and that's why he's. I kind of get his motivation here to just end it all. Like it's not like he's he gets to live after this. He he wants to kill all of it. He's burning this whole problem to the ground. Right. So I I, I get the whole mentality of. I mean, like he's obviously like, yeah, you know, pushed himself into like a psychosis here, but in a way. But I get his mentality for coming up with everything in the story of the menu. Yeah, absolutely, and it's just kind of a fascinating, like, uh, like you could get to a level of purity with art where it just can't exist in the real world. Right, right, and and you know they've reached the top of the line so it's like where do you go there's nowhere to go you like you can't go up any further all you can do is maintain the consistency and that's something the writers yeah. really and you, and, play and on. you can't make it pure right like he can't cook just for himself yeah like he can't he can't he can't do this uh without the the economy of it yeah and so he decides that it all needs to die yeah and, and which is and it makes sense uh, but he he's just he's done putting up with Tyler. He humiliates him in front of everybody and then just completely says, like, you know, the food is bad. And he's like, you see now that you've 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 taken 
the fun out of this by being who you are. And then he whispers something that we, the audience, don't hear into his ear, which then sends him off. And he is eliminated from the equation of this night. And I, I think it was a great choice artistically to not actually let us hear what Chef says to him. Yeah, I think it's kind of irrelevant because I think yeah, we don't. Because any whatever you can imagine, he said it works. Right, and it, and it, and Tyler is clearly like at the point of his deepest vulnerability because right. he he psychologically broke him down. In that and it, and it turned out they had been texting for months, and that this was kind of right. a month a month long like psyop basically by the chefs yeah uh, yeah that that yeah that ended with uh tyler taking his his necktie and stringing it around a lighting fixture yep and he uh it, he does this very odd like the shot is like him walking off towards the back of the kitchen and he just makes this really weird face that i cannot help had to be a reference to warm bodies because he played a zombie and i mm. cannot help but help think his face looked like a zombie in that moment because he just had his mouth open in such a weird way <laughs> as he was like <laughs> taking his tie off and walking away and he just kind of like stammered away maybe it's because he's tall i don't know but uh it was just a funny little shot of him but yeah, and then he's and he like turns to Margot and he's like, "Now you're free too," and uh, that this is where he's like, "All right, time to make the choice. Are you with them or with?" Or no, this is past that because at this point, this is when the barrel comes into question, I believe. Uh, yes, yes, yeah, and 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 so this is when we start finally getting some activity from one of the customers, and it's obviously it's uh, Margot or Aaron, mm -hmm. as we now know her, who, yes, who yes. who's very, very clearly set up to be kind of the final girl of this situation. Absolutely. And, and so she makes kind of a preliminary decision to be quote with them, right? With, like with chef that yes. she's, that she's of the, the service industry and not of the, the customer base. Yeah. She's not like a rich taker. Right. And so, as and so she is then given an assignment. She's told to bring this like giant barrel from somewhere to to help with dessert. Yeah, and and that gives her some license to roam a little bit. Definitely, and I, I think this is a really good scene that's important because the and I kind of alluded to this earlier by talking about the psychological kind of manipulation of cults in general, but also that chef uses upon all of these other people because he makes Margot say. Like, he's like, will you go get this barrel? And she says, yes. And he's like, yes, what? And the whole thing is like, yes, chef. And then that shows, I interpreted that as showing Elsa, okay, I, I, the leader of this cult, I'm saying she's one of us. She's in on this. You need to treat her with the same level of authority and respect that you treat every single other person in this, on this staff or in the, in this cult, whatever you want to say. And obviously Elsa is not happy about this but she's you know she's deep in the thick of it she doesn't and she's so loyal to chef that she does she takes it personally so it, it kind of shows that conflict of of her but also the the manipulation tactics use of a cult to be like you're a part of this now right and 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 the, the what the feeling that it causes in elsa is jealousy right like absolutely like, you know elsa and and it gives kind of a window to the the operation of this kitchen, which from the outside, from the customer perspective, seems 
so hoorah you know it seems so militaristic and disciplined Mm -hmm. and everybody pulling on the same oar but as with all of these things you dig down deep enough and you find interpersonal conflict you find you find that people are are not always 100 happy with each other you find that people aren't always pulling on the same oar Mm -hmm. and elsa who has kind of a, a preeminent position as the 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 senior hostess Mm-hmm. is not happy about absolutely uh, not. The, this this change in the structure or this addition to the to the team mm-hmm. and so and and this leads immediately to conflict because elsa i think correctly realizes that that margo or Aaron or whichever we're deciding to call her uh yeah. is not actually a hundred percent on board right right and here they are, professionals that have dedicated their whole lives, and now here's Chef just being like, yeah, this girl I've met tonight is now gets access to everything that you get access to. Right. And that eventually leads to, to a fight. It does lead to an interesting fight scene, uh, which was also kind of confusing for me the first time I saw this movie, because what happens is... Margot goes and gets the barrel from the smokehouse, and on top of it is a knife, which makes me think it was placed there by chef to give her a method of escape or something. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know because the we're, we're led to believe the whole movie that chef was not prepared for her. Right. Right. And so, so I'm it's, if he snuck away and put this barrel in the smokehouse on purpose or something. Because yeah. And Elsa says like, he didn't tell me about the barrel. I didn't forget. Like, I just didn't know about it. So yeah, I, I don't, it's a and, and then it gets a little bit more confusing too because on the she finds the barrel, but then takes the opportunity to sneak into Chef's cabin, which we know nobody is ever given access to, and it's an exact replica of the the restaurant, but it's got like a bed in it and everything. So it's he like lives in the kitchen. I don't know, and this is where I think also like you said, a director's cut with maybe another establishing shot could have helped because the I don't know if it's the editing of this movie, but it so confused me because I was like, wait, what the fuck did did are is everybody outside? Like, was there a time jump I missed or something? Like, what is going on? And it and it's also got that silver door which we earlier saw margo try to use and elsa was like there's something very special behind that door um so and then she fights with elsa in the in the mock-up kitchen chef's quarters and she wins it's a it's not a super um like action-packed fight it's a pretty realistic like two women fighting with each other uh and one of them is acting in self-defense i would say and and it does lay out a i think a, a really important additional element of that that class complexity i was talking about where yeah like elsa is the hostess at a really fine dining restaurant is probably making a, a middle class wage or something close to it probably uh, higher if they're at this top of the chain right and is is kind of fanatically devoted to chef and thus willing to to do combat for him right but that life does not prepare you for a fist fight with a Boston hooker. <laughs> that is true. She It just it just does like not threw, prepare you for that. She threw like the stove like great at her. Like, oh, oh yeah. He hits, her, he hits her with the fucking Paco jet, which was so yep. funny. Which which was which was a, a very good uh bring around from Tyler being obsessed yes. with the Paco jet That's earlier. I mean. Like everything yeah. every little thing pays off yeah. in some way or another and I just I love that. Yeah. And, uh, and, then, 
yeah, she kills Elsa successfully. Uh, and, and even she's like rattled by it. She kind of, she gets the upper hand for a second with the knife and then like gets right off of her. And it's like, holy fuck, like that just happened. But then steals the key around her neck and gets access to the silver door that's in the chef's cabin. So not the silver door that's in the restaurant, but the silver door that is in his own personal living quarters. And it's like this sanctuary of a lot of memories of his. It has like newspaper articles about how he was this top chef and basically just quickly shows us his backstory. And the most important thing to note is that he's like increasingly unhappy with all of his achievements. But at the very beginning, you see him as a kid, like a 17 or 18 year old, his very first job flipping burgers at uh, some hamburger place. And he's got like a big smile on his face because that's the start. That's when he had that love and that passion for cooking and food in general. And when he had his whole life ahead of him. And Margot sees this and will later use this to her advantage. Yes, she does. And uh, yes. uh, it also, you know, kind of does it, it fills in those blanks. But it also, I think, uh, creates some weird distance with Sloak's character. Just because his his we see his development as a chef, but you don't right. see the seeds of this degree of obsession and, and crime. And so it it becomes a, another situation where I think a director's cut would be would be fascinating to see how the idea of this trap of this final catastrophic cathartic performance grew in his mind because we know he had been planning it for a long time we know that tyler uh had been texting with him i think they said for eight months or something like that and you know any fine dining table service takes a lot of advanced planning but this one has a lot of infrastructure involved a lot of moving parts there was a kidnapping you know <laughs> there was oh, a lot yeah. of surveillance like, this, like it, it this was a, a plan. lot of planning Right, right. Like this, and and it in uh his intelligence has has been shown over and over too. Because uh, like earlier, the food critics had a line about how he was like a master class in uh like history has always been a part of his his stories and everything. And uh oh my god! Also with the food critics, forgot to mention the running gag of the chef sending a bowl of broken emotion to her, emulsion to her table every so often. Like it's it's such a perfect gag, and it always comes in right at the right moments. And every single time it happens, it's a bigger bowl, which is <laughs> oh, so funny. Cracks me up. And it's like what? Are, like what are they? doing that like like they've got right. this, yeah, like, yeah. This, they've got this fine-tuned machine of table service for a for a fine dining multi-course tasting menu and, and then and he throws in another moving part just to make fun of her it's that... so funny and she, every time she just has this look on her face like <laughs> uh <laughs> it's 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 uh, that that gag really stuck with me like i was driving to work the next day and i was like damn they really just kept bringing her that bowl of emulsion <laughs> yeah and it's and it's it's commitment right it's commitment it to commitment. the bit i love a, i respect a commitment to the bit every time <laughs> um and it's and it it's really great. a side of his his kind of obsessive like oh if i'm doing something i'm doing it <laughs> Yeah, and oh my god, I just thought of another funny line that I just have to, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, where she's talking about how she makes her own 
uh bread and like yeast and everything and she's like it's peasant style (laughs) (laughs) in like complete seriousness yeah that's a line that every time i saw it in the theater got laughs from me and like other people as well because because everybody who's watching this movie is registering the class themes at that point everybody sees what's what's going on and they're like uh and and the rise ability of of her doing anything peasant style (laughs) um the last the last important takeaway from Margot getting into the safe uh sanctuary thing is she finds a cv radio or whatever it's called it's thunder shock or thunder whatever it's called uh and she radios for help uh so she calls the coast guard and then she comes back with the barrel and shortly thereafter they see a boat pull up because you know there's this whole asymmetric open concept window uh showing the island so we see this boat come up and they're like oh my god help is here there's a chance we could get out and uh Margot Aaron is like, yeah, I, I, someone's like, did you call for her? Did you call for help? And she's like, yeah. Um, and one one singular guy shows up. And this is also like, I love it because obviously this is a bit we, we find out shortly. But the commitment to it is awesome because quickly all the visible wounds get like bandaged up on both the guests and the staff. Uh, and then they they just do their best to make everything look as presentable as humanly possible. And even Chef is like, now, like, quickly, frantically, he's like, now ask yourselves, you could try to escape, but do you want to be responsible for the death of an innocent man? Because we're going to have to, ki- essentially saying we're going to have to kill him if that happens. And, and, th- and this is the point. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, well, Andy just says, why didn't any of you try to fight back harder? You could have. <laughs> <laughs> He was like, I think he's almost surprised that. Yeah, yeah. he's like, he's like something to think about. (laughs) Uh, But go ahead. Was that what you were going to say? That's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. this is the moment where he's just like, okay, this is your final opportunity to fight back. You haven't taken advantage of any of your other opportunities. Yeah, and so you're pretty well fucked at this point. But good work. uh, Yeah, (laughs) dumbasses. Uh, Right, right. And uh, fi- further insulting and twisting the knife into this these people's lives, uh, he he comes uh, this the uh, coast guard representative comes in. He's like, "Does somebody radio for help?" And chef is like, "Well, we're not in the habit of like giving radios to our guests." And he's like, "Did anybody ha- make a distress call?" And everybody's just sitting there silent and like. But also, there's like so much tension because you're like, "Oh my god, is someone gonna say something? Like, what's gonna happen?" And uh, but no, they nobody says anything. And then the Coast Guard guy recognizes the actor character and is like, wait a minute, are you? And he's like, yes, yes. And they're like, do you want his autograph? And this is (laughs) further (laughs) add to the salt to all the wounds that are happening in this movie. He's like, I loved you in that one movie where you played the surgeon and this whole, we we haven't mentioned it yet. Cause I thought now would be a good time to the whole reason this actor is even here. And a part of this whole mess is because he did a movie in his early career called calling Dr. Sunshine, which apparently was this really sloppy B movie that he did for a paycheck. And it, but it was at least fun to shoot, whatever. And chef saw this movie on one of his days off and hated it so much that he needed. And and he made John Leguizamo's face, the basis 
uh, of his his muse for uh, passion being like i just fueling the rage part of him that needed to be fueled in order to make the art that he does so basically <laughs> essentially he just hated that movie and him in it so much that he needed to, that he just was like fuck that guy man <laughs> and, and and then needed to kill him for yes. having been in such a bad movie yeah and, and and a lot of people might be like okay that's just being petty like that's a little unrealistic i'm like unrealistic this is a psychopath cult leader who summoned these people her to kill them does do yeah. we need to buy that everyone is there for like a super pretentious re- like no he just fucking hates this guy <laughs> yeah well well because then we get one of the funniest lines in the movie right because he is talking to the assistant oh yeah and, this took and, me three watches to under- i did not understand this joke or this line it was, until my third rewatch it was yes, it is so, so funny, funny. And, he, and, and the assistant is finally like, okay, why am I here? Like, what's my problem? Yeah. And and and, and Jeff is just like, where'd you go to school? She goes, She's like, I went, to, I went to Broward. He's like, do you have student loans? And she's she says, like, no. No. And he goes, oh yeah, you're gonna fucking die tonight. Yeah. <laughs> It was it was really funny, but I I don't know why I just like didn't get it the first time. I thought he was like, it took me a minute to process what he was saying because when she was like, no, and he's like, I'm sorry, you're dying. I thought he was trying. I thought she was lying, and that he was trying to allude to her being like, no, you're gonna die tonight. Tell the truth. But then nothing happens after. So I just like didn't get that line. But then on the rewatches, it's like. Oh, it's just because she's a fucking spoiled bitch. But she's also, and she goes, she, but she's also, her character has been set up very dead endy because she, she's like trying to get out of this gig with, with this failed washed up actor who's clearly, which means she also has no career path and direction because she's trying to get him work and is most likely unsuccessful. But even when she's explaining her new job, she's like, I would be developing you know and developing things i'm like girl you're going nowhere <laughs> like so she feels very tra- and that's that's kind of why i get her being on board for the mass suicide it's like she feels very trapped and stuck and like she's not going anywhere and has no future so she's just like well if this is the end i guess so she's also i think if i remember right she's the she's sleeping with this actor who's married uh, I don't remember if they talked about that or reference to that. They may have. Yeah. Uh, I I might be which remembering. Is definitely that possible. Wrong, but... I mean, it's possible, and it and it adds a little bit more to it if that it is if that is uh true. So, I mean, I can see it. Um, but we get the reveal on the Coast Guard scene. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, that's right. So the Coast Guard comes in, and and, and that's also what was on his tortilla was that movie. Uh, like the poster for that movie. Yep. Uh, the Coast Guard guy is like, gets his autograph, and he's like, I loved you in that movie, Calling Dr. Sunshine. And it cuts to uh, Slowick having this just like, mm-hmm. like infuriated eyebrow raise. <laughs> and it's it's commitment. It's commitment to the bit. Like they really peppered that in there to sell it. Yep. And uh, he writes down on the slip of paper he gives him as an autograph, he writes, help us. And as the Coast Guard guy is walking away, he reads the paper and then pulls his gun on Chef. And so at this point, all the patrons or the, the guests or whatever are like, oh, my God, we're saved. There's a gun involved. <laughs> and Chef, the, also, mind you, the entire time, the kitchen staff has not stopped. 
Yeah. They're on a clock, nothing could disrupt them. I mean, obviously they know what's happening, but still, just in the context of if this was a real uh situation, they're just not stopping. <laughs> uh but yeah, so they see so he pulls the gun on him and he's and everyone is going nuts and he's like, Y'all calm down. And also I noticed a lot of people like really ran in in front of him, like up to him to try and mm-hmm. like talk to him. And I was like, that man is pointing like you are running in front of the gun, girl. You need to like go to the side. <laughs> well, the we also see the bouncers uh kind of launch yeah, into they, like, action they, they tense up and get close and everything and yeah they're like oh are we gonna have to uh step in here and, and then he he slowly points the gun at margo for some reason they're all like wait what, what are you doing no and then it's actually not even a real gun it's a lighter and he uses it to light the candle on the table that he extinguished earlier to make the point that he has chef hands and can like touch anything that's hot, which it also pays off later. Uh, so that was like, oh, chef's kiss to that development in the story because that nothing edges the audience's like anxiety like that scene being like, oh my god, is this real? Like we're with the guests there, like oh my god, is this real? Are they going to get saved? But also, it's one dude with one gun. Like how much could he really do? You know. So, but nope. Turns out he's in on it. It's just Dale from the line who just. <laughs> gets right back on to cooking after this little performance and and this is what i mean too like the psychological manipulate like this is really just an act that's done to further show that they've thought of everything and that they are not these people are not getting out of there so they're just so like worn down psychological like he put on this whole performance in pure confidence and also like they're on this island he's like the one person you thought could help you the coast guard nope we're all on in on this together baby <laughs> and then and then we move into the the climax of the movie yes yes then we so begins the final core and this also was kind of like a test for margo aaron because he's like you you went against us you called for help you tried to you were you tried to do a win for the rich people on their side so you're one of them now yep and she proves him very wrong she proves him very wrong. She uses that knowledge she gained in the sanctuary, and she realizes Chef here, who's this meticulous artist, basically pissed off that no one can appreciate his uh, 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 creations anymore in his artwork, is like, uses a little bit of her own psychological manipulation to be like, I don't like your food, and I want to send it back, which also pays off earlier because tyler was like you do not send shit back to this kitchen so that was like her one yeah. attempt and, at and she does the clap oh yeah and she does get the his clap. attention she take, yeah yep she takes that shit under uh take that she reclaims it yep uh reclaim the clap and uh she she's like i don't like your food and you just goes on a whole rant about how she cooks with uh, how he cooks with obsession not love and that this is all just pretentious nonsense he's like you know she's like you know what i want a cheeseburger just not not some fancy deconstructed bullshit just a cheeseburger and he even bites back he's like i'll make a cheap one like the ones your parents could barely afford (laughs) well their their dynamic is great well their dynamic is great and i think it shows kind of what one of the more kind of kind of roastable things about a guy this obsessive and this powerful right which is that he came up with this grand master plan to murder a couple of dozen people Mm -hmm. right 
And really what he wanted was just to be domed. <laughs> I mean, yeah, basically he just wanted he wanted his drive back and he got it by just this power which and she she plays into her expertise, which is being an escort. She puts on a yep. performance, she provides the service. So she played into her uh expertise there and and gets into it. She's like, I want you know, she's like, make me a cheeseburger. And uh she's like, American cheese, and he's like She's like, how much will that set me back? And he's like, nine ninety five. Like they're fully role playing into the the fantasy of of passionate cooking. So he has yep. this really love lovely shot and scored scene where he makes the cheeseburger and we see him crack a couple of half smiles, showing that he, he that fire is barely alive still inside of him. He had a, you know he still had that drive, and it's just he's like, damn, it feels good to just cook something that someone is gonna enjoy. And, you know, that's very central to the theme of the movie. It's just like, you know, we've gotten to a point where it's out of control. Just it's it's food. It's eating. It's necessary for survival. Just eat it and enjoy a damn cheeseburger <laughs> pretty much. And uh, so, yeah, she makes he chef makes her a, a classic uh, fast food style cheeseburger with some crinkle cut fries. And oh, my God, it looked so good. I, it looked I would really good to shoot that scene. Uh, just eating that burger over and over again. <laughs> all day but uh she takes a bite of it and she's like yep that's a fucking cheeseburger and he's like he's like happy he cooked something some food that someone enjoyed and then still kind of playing into the whole tactic of it all she's like uh she's like my eyes are bigger than my stomach can i get this to go which is clearly pretty much her asking can i fucking leave this place and chef has like a, a moment where he's like he he there's a mutual respect there and he's like thank you know this is i'm still committed we're we're killing everybody here but you you know you kind of sh- you gave me that last hoorah of everything that i wanted in life so it, it's also a, a a final transgression against the fine dining concept because yes, if tyler yes. was still alive he would have been like you don't ask for a doggy bag at a taste oh my bag, god no? he would yeah he would have been freaking <laughs> the fuck out yeah all of this uh, oh. But yeah, and and it just it it drives home the themes of the movie. It drives home her character. She gets to walk out of there, and she she takes her food to go. He gives he gives her the gift bag with the the granola and the local distributors <laughs> uh, and everything, which is hilarious. And a copy of the menu, of course. And she she leaves. She takes the the boat that the coast guard guy came on, and just gets out of there and she takes one look back at the room full of all these people and she and even even the wife of the old couple is kind of gives her like a little a little nod to get on out of there uh no words exchange she just takes a good look and and leaves and uh honestly i'm fine with this like i didn't need some grand epic escape like this is this is perfect this is so thematically wonderful and well crafted that this is perfect you know? Yeah, taking taking that from basically a monologue showdown between those two actors and turning it into an action set piece would have yeah. seriously cheapened it. Agree, and that it really plays to the talents of both of those uh, actors because they and it is that torch passing so moment. Great. It is that torch passing moment. She's she is establishing herself as a big player in the acting guild now. Good for good for Anya. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so uh, she leaves and then. After she walks away, we chef prepares to present the final course. 
Uh, oh my god which is a twist on the s'more which he says is the most offensive assault to the human palate imaginable because it's made with unethically sourced chocolate gelatinized sugar water what could be worse (laughs) it's so Um, funny and and yeah it's 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 an interesting metaphor and all the guests just remain okay so i guess i'll make my argument now i a lot of people internet discourse shows me that people have to suspend their disbelief uh suspend their disbelief in order to get behind the idea that all these people would just sit there while this is happening but i i buy it for every single character because like i kind of said with the assistant she's very dead end and trapped and uh the actor i mean it speaks for itself he's washed up he doesn't have friends like you know he's kind of at the end of his way like all these people are in a low point in their lives despite their quote-unquote success with their money that and combine that with the psychological just manipulation of and breakdown that has been presented to them with the other with the rest of the evening's events i mean the old couple they have a dead daughter they don't they have all this money that they just spend willy-nilly don't appreciate they're just they're they're trapped in a loveless marriage at this point and also the husband is very scummy and has a weird daughter fetish we learned (laughs) which is it definitely implies to me that he probably had a sexual relationship with his daughter, but you know, or at least wanted, or at least wanted one, at least wanted one. So, and then it also makes me start spiraling question. Like, Oh, how did the daughter die? Did he kill her to make her be quiet? It, but I'm like, it doesn't matter. That's not the point of this movie. <laughs> We're focusing <laughs> on the food. I don't have time to think about this yeah. old couple's backstory, but you know, the, just the point that they're at a very low point, the tech bros. I kind of get it, but at the same time, like, what are they going to do? You know, the three of them are not going to like be able to, Oh, we also forgot to mention that they celebrated his birthday. They brought out a cake and he's like, you told him it was my birthday. And he's like, yeah, it seemed funny. Like three hours ago, before we learned, <laughs> learned we were all going to die. <laughs> so that was a cute little joke. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Did ahead, you want to, did you want to run through the other characters? I'm trying to think who else, uh, who, who is left uh a lot oh the food critics they're just kind of like it's been pointed out that they're just scummy people who like uh are responsible for a lot of other people's hardships via like closing down other people's restaurants and everything and just kind of put in perspective that her life is doing nothing but being harmful to society and the editor just kind of enables that i'm not saying it's a foolproof like yeah these people are not willing to just fully jump on board and kill themselves but it just it makes sense given the situation that they know that there's no escape and that any chance of survival is hopeless and they've been so broken down to the point where and and honestly the food critic's probably into it because now she sees the master plan of this whole story of this artwork and she's like oh to die a part of it would be so like masterful it'd be philastic <laughs> i i guess so i hadn't heard this discourse because i don't follow like I, I i try not to follow those those sorts very, of things as much as possible yeah. but, i'm a crazy like film nerd so I, any little bit of information i like look up and then like a lot of reviews or like uh commentations about it they've been like yeah i guess you kind of have to suspend your disability for this point i'm like mm, i buy it <laughs> yeah i i just don't feel the need to interrogate the movie in that way that's because, very fair because like by dint of being a movie, there's going to be elements of unreality. It requires suspension of disbelief 
because it's, <laughs> it's a it's a two-dimensional image projected on a screen and so like i'm already like i'm already in a different universe when i sit down in front yeah. of a movie right it, it, it the rules are going to be what i'm told they are the rules aren't going to be what i understand the rules of real life to be because right. if if that were what were happening i'd be like okay whose jurisdiction is this and who who has fire response responsibility like who's yeah. who's who's the the like police force for this area like what are we like yeah because like you get too much into the nitty-gritty of it right and so and like I'm, I'm i'm very similar with you like i i do nitpick and get crazy but that's just because i love movies so much but i i do i don't need like everything yeah. to be explained and i don't need like absolute plausible deniability that this is 100% grounded in reality because like yeah. you said it's a movie it's a fantasy it's fiction I want to have fun and be taken somewhere and those those can be fun jokes to make one of my joke uh usernames yeah. on uh on the the discord was uh purge statistics division because there's got to be some <laughs> office in in the purge movies that's yes. responsible for like proving the found the new founding fathers insane points about the purge yeah. being good and so yes. I'm, I'm laughing at the running idea of the just of running the numbers and, and, and tracking and there's just like a, a data division right somebody's in charge of that. so yeah. like those things are funny to me but in terms of of actually evaluating the quality of a movie it's just not super relevant to right to be like, well, the, you know, the, because the the at that point in the movie, the the those characters weren't making choices anymore. It didn't matter. It was all one big choice of chefs. Exactly. And and that's the world that they were in. That's the world that we were in as viewers. And to say like, well, why didn't anybody pop that balloon? Is like. Well, it's the movie. The movie's the balloon. So, like, yeah, you also get. So, you're, so, so what you're saying is, why didn't anybody ruin the movie? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I, I'm totally on board uh, with all the all the kitchen staff put these like marshmallow jackets on everybody, <laughs> and then they all like very fine dining style at the simultaneously plop a chocolate lava cake on top of their heads, and uh chef kind of and they're and they're sprinkling like uh graham cracker dust all over the ground and the tables and everything and uh chef takes a hot coal from the stove with his iron chef hands that another thing that just plays up plays off um and walks to the middle and talks about how they all need to be cleansed drops the uh the uh, the hot coal and it ignites himself and everything on fire and it all uh it all burns down we get this really cinematic shot of all the patrons like melting the chocolate melting in and and the marshmallows browning turning them into human s'mores and uh the kitchen staff just face that that barrel uh is there what ignites the explosion yep and they just kind of face it on the counter and uh margo is at this point safely to shore now docked the boat and she's uh sitting there eating that cheeseburger and she just watches it all explode yeah. and, and, uh, and yeah the one ahead. little de the one little detail about margo eating that cheeseburger that i love is that she wipes her mouth the with the copy with the of the menu, menu. yep yeah, i was just gonna say the same thing <laughs> and those fine like, those fine dining places touch. those fine dining places are obsessed with their menu structure and it's yes. so like what you're seeing there is the equivalent of her wiping her face with a business card from american psycho like <laughs> 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 uh, 
I'm that's how the chef feels about wetting like in yeah the somewhere that's uh, how the chef feels about the menu is the, yes, is the way that yes. Bateman felt about the business card so absolutely and and it all goes up in flames and cut to uh credits that's the end that was the menu that was the story and i i just i thought it was so well done it's unique it's original it's 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 thrilling as fuck i was literally never sitting down and i've I've also heard some internet discourse that the ending is like weak but i don't know i think it's fine i i think it's a great ending i don't really know what people wanted to make it more oomph i I don't know i don't know what the change would be yeah i don't i don't know what people like like it was a very it was a like it was a very sharp satire right about how all of these people are awful and then all of the awful people die, and the one non-awful person doesn't die, and that just seems like the ending of a movie to me. Like the movie, like the movie right. had to end, right? Like we weren't then going to get the next shot of like and fire and rescue to- showing up on the island. Like it's it's yeah. over. The movie's over, so like it's over. I don't know. Yeah. It's not, not my and job to, to like. <laughs> and to be fair, the movie has been telling us this was going to happen the entire time. Like they've told us, uh, you know, Tyler's like you're the overarching uh, narrative of the story. You won't know till the end, and then he's like. You know, they all they get explicitly told they're all going to die that night. So, I mean, they knew something was coming like this. And it also it's like a big cult mass suicide, essentially. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it, seemed, it, it seemed like a it seemed like a natural end. There might have been other ends that were also natural, but like. I don't I didn't feel bereft of any. It didn't feel like there were a lot of loose ends left to tie up, you know? It was I agree. Uh, you know, the one thing this movie left me feeling is hungry. <laughs> I, this this movie was movie, the greatest I, advertisement for cheeseburgers you that could honestly, ever possibly be just, made. Just picturing her on that boat, on the side of that boat right now with that cheeseburger is making me like, damn, should I go to McDonald's down the street right now? Because that just looks so sloppy and good. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's a uh, uh and that's what I was talking about earlier, where it shows respect for the art of fine dining yes. and the art of, of of high cuisine. But it's it pokes fun at the culture of obsession over it, right? And and that respect is necess- a necessary foundation for this degree of satire of it. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, you can't it's... you can't roast something pun unintended if yeah. uh if, if you don't love it just a little bit yeah like that passion when people hate you got to have that passion to love or hate something if you hate something it's because you so passionately despise and if you love something it's because you so passionately enjoy uh and so yeah that that passion has to be there in order to criticize and uh it's this is also just a topic that could be i would love a menu style film that explores other industries that aren't like fine dining. Like even, even right now, I feel like this podcast picking apart and talking about movies. I'm like, am I part of the problem? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, well, we're definitely part of the problem because we've now gone over the runtime of the movie. So that's, which is so funny. I, a couple weeks ago, I just put out a strange thing about the Johnson's episode. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's, I've not seen it. It's a 30 minute short film. And the episode is like almost two hours long. (laughs) I had a lot to say about that one. <laughs> but that, uh, and, and, you yeah. know, and, and so maybe we're the wrong kind of consumer and maybe right. the director of this movie will come murder us and maybe we'll deserve Possibly. it. 
if but I get a menu, the, if I get an invitation in the mail to some exclusive island dinner, I am denying. <laughs> <laughs> but that, but then there will be a true crime podcast about that, yes, that murder, yeah. and, and, we'll go and the, cycle, the cycle will continue. And so this is, and this is the the like fundamental uh, kind of failure of chefs to understand is that like this is the perfection that exists in your head is never going to survive contact with the outside world. And you have achievable, it's unachievable. And so your options are to either do exactly what is in your head and not try to sell it or compromise in order to continue doing it, which makes this the second dinner movie with that theme after my dinner with Andre, yeah, which is also a a, a a a feature length debate between pure art versus I Wall Wall Sean shouting, "I need to pay rent." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I I love it. I I'm really glad people told me to go see this movie, and I gave this movie a chance because I intended to. I fully wrote it off as like another just oscar Beatty drama-ish movie that i was never gonna see then i'm so glad i did because it ended up being one of my top three of the year this is literally my third favorite i ranked 16 movies on letterboxd of movies that came uh horror movies that came out this year and this is number three i and uh, i'm sure there's an argument to be made that maybe this isn't a horror movie but i would say so it's just very untraditional in that it's like not a slasher or like supernatural like it's kind of its own subgenre of just yeah. thriller i guess i'm 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 deeply allergic to the 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 debate about what the boundaries of horror are like yeah, I, like it's... it's that's that's just a great way to not enjoy movies that you would otherwise enjoy but definitely but for me it's close enough like we've i agree got, it's, we've it's got in there there's some pretty alarming there things showed i mean there's there's yeah, it's a it's a horrifying yeah. situation. It's a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's and it's using transgression to to make people process themes by feeling bad, and that's right, right. That's as um, horror as it gets to me. Yeah, it was. I, I just I'm really glad I saw this because this was great. I cannot wait to own it physically because I want to see all the special features and deleted scenes and maybe they'll do a director's cut. Who knows? I just or a, co- a commentary track would be would be a gift. I love a commentary track. Uh, so yeah, I would love that as well. So I'm, yeah, that's the menu from 2022. One a nice little addition to the horror lineup in right before the year ended here it came out on i think november 18th is when it released theatrically so right there at the end they were like wait we've got one more to throw into the mix before the year closes off it's It's been been a great year year. it's It's been a great year phenomenal standout year and and next year's shaping up already we've got scream six in the beginning we've Mm -hmm. got uh winnie the pooh (laughs) gone rogue and i don't know if you recently saw but we will have on february i think 24th we will have cocaine bear directed we will have cocaine bears we're we're also we're also we're also gonna have Maxine, I think, coming out next year. Oh my God! Yes, how could I forget about Maxine? And I Brandon Cronenberg has something new and insane coming out that I'm gonna try to learn as little. I don't think I remember the name, and I don't want to know it. You know, it's yeah. Like, <laughs> Heather Camp wants to do a Nightmare on Elm Street requel. Uh, the the Jason lawsuit got settled, and now they're making prequels, TV shows. So we, I could see some cool 
horror stuff coming out next year and make oh and there's there's another uh morehead and benson coming up yeah there's 2023 it's it's gonna shape up i'm telling you we're gonna we're gonna see some we'll hopefully see some more standouts in this trend of just like great horror movies uh doesn't die off too quickly but um yeah any final thoughts about the menu before we wrap up here because i i think we like you said we went over the runtime of the movie <laughs> we, and we I, I knew long. it was going to i knew it was going to because i loved this movie and i was like i want to talk about and i day. don't i don't know how aggressively you you chopped these things down before putting them out but right now not believe, really honestly i think we're I at really two hours 40 out, like, technical yeah 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 we're at like 240 i really so... edited out like dead air and like technical blips so So if anybody's still listening at this point god bless i won't i won't i I, listen i always say i love a lengthy listen because i listen at work so if i saw i i like seek this kind of content out so if i saw a a almost three hour content video on the menu i would be like that is the first fourth of my shift covered yes let's go (laughs) Um, well this was this was fun let's uh let's find a time to do it again Yes, yes. You are always welcome back on. I'm sure you will be. Uh, This has been a great, great discussion. Uh, But thank you so much for coming on. This has been awesome. I really enjoyed talking about uh, the menu because uh, with you because this was this is great. I'm glad you liked it because uh, if I I didn't, this isn't one I wanted to bring somebody on who disliked it and have like an actual debate debate because I'm like, no, I like this one too much. And also like this just objectively is a good movie. Like, what are you going to (laughs) criticize? Right. It's like there there's there's such a thing as a bad movie. But this is not one of them. This is not one of them. This is a movie where if you didn't like it, it just wasn't for you. Exactly. Like acting on point stylization. Yeah. Camera work. The director got to the end of the the director got to the end of the final cut and was like, I did everything I wanted to do. Yep. And so, like, you can't call it a bad movie. You could just say you you liked it or you didn't. Yes. Well, uh, yeah that's been the menu i mean you guys know where to find me follow the podcast on twitter at dotd underscore podcast uh on fridays i always announce what movie we're going to be talking about the following monday give you guys a chance to see it or maybe watch it if you haven't already if you want to follow me and my drag and you know i'm at queen cream on instagram and twitter and the cream is with a Q. But uh, thanks for listening to the debate of the dead podcast this week and thanks for dining at hawthorne <laughs> We will see you next time.